0: This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I'm joined today, and as always, by my good friend, my business partner, the 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 lustful. Nope. For sandwiches, you sure are. <laughs> like you I just mentioned it and you're like, oh, hello, ears perk. Oh Eyebrows boy. start to twitch a little bit. Oh my the the nefarious and
1: lustful.
0: <laughs> I'm joined by Jason Johnston Yellen, but this is a bit different because I'm joined by Jason Johnston Yellen not on the East Coast where we usually see one another over the Zooms or FaceTimes, Mm -hmm. but actually in person and on the West Coast sitting in your mother-in-law's study place. Yeah,
1: lounge, TV room. Yeah, call it what you will. Uh, This is remarkable. I could literally reach out and touch you. I'm touching your foot right now. And I wish you would stop. <laughs> that was unnecessary. So and yeah, Especially after I called you lustful. <laughs> so I, I feel like there might have been a bit of projection in there. <laughs> I think, well, that's how that was oh, looking. Geez. But as you rightly say, we are out and about. We are in the world. Mm-hmm. We are experiencing people. We right. are experiencing places uh-huh. And we are looking into one another's eyeballs Without mm. an electronic
0: medium coming between us I thought you were going to say we are yeah. experiencing people We are free We the are teeth. going to places I was waiting for the things Because it's people's places and things mm. Right? Mm. Is that Dr. Seuss? Sure Redfish, tublish, fish, flu fish <laughs> Oof-ish. Flawless. <laughs>
1: <laughs> pro. Pro level.
0: <laughs> you stopped reading those to your kids more than a decade <sighs> ago. So you know you know what was... I mean, this trip so far has been fantastic. Mm-hmm.
2: But... but...
0: it's weird because, you know, we're in... Came to L.A., and one of the things that you need to do when you come to L.A., assuming you can get downtown, is go to 7 Grand which is what we did very much so but it's been 26 months of lockdown <laughs> and then into a place where there are no masks and it's squeezing cheeks and there's people elbowing you and it's like it's like it's noisy it's noisy it's you can see people breathing near you yeah it it was it was like Going back in time to the before times, for the record, I've always been against people breathing near me.
1: I would much rather people didn't breathe near me, mm, especially if it's open mouthed, right? Or yeah. talk or look at me. Oh, right, oh, okay, got it. <laughs> I just got a little bit LA there.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> Sorry, which side of the rope am I on? I don't even know what that means, but anyway, VIP. Oh, which uh-huh. side of the rope am I? I was thinking uh-huh. like nooses and things. Oh, lord. <laughs> Joshua Hand. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're in Southern California. Yeah, It's all right here. It's
0: all right. So. You're in a safe place. We're at seven grand. Seven grand. We're ordering beers. Ordering beer. <laughs> we're ordering single cast nation
1: pours. Wasn't that lovely to see on the shelf? That little SCN situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Six, few six or seven bottles. Few retail bottles. Mm-hmm. And then a few online Bottles with the original style
0: label, Mm -hmm, not the mm -hmm, redesign. mm
1: -hmm. Cheeky. Very cheeky. Do you you remember one in particular?
0: I do. Our undisclosed six-year-old from a second fill, PX Barrick. But listen, the reason I bring up seven grand in the before times feeling. Can we come back to talking about the undisclosed six? You know what, go ahead If you want to talk about bright stuff I'll I'll bring in the dark No, do the dark first And then I'll bring in the light stuff (laughs) But right, so So it was so very odd After 26 years of not doing things 26 years? I know it felt like 26 years (laughs) Of 26 months of not doing things To doing things as if COVID had never been a thing Yeah I Young people have really
1: embraced the idea that COVID never happened. And I've I've even yeah. seen it in my local supermarket. I don't know if I mentioned this even in a recent episode. But we obviously have James Madison University mm-hmm. where we are and, and where I grocery shop. The students go by there as well. Yeah. On Sunday mornings, nobody under 25 is wearing a mask. Nobody under 25. Now, listen, they don't... Have to, yes. Yeah. You know we're, we're vaccinated, we're yep. boosted. We've got much lower numbers than we've ever had. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not being the mask police, saying, yeah. "Excuse me, young person, but I, I'd really like you to put a mask on." But but when you're when you're of a certain age, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh wait a second, I wasn't going to say <laughs> that. So let me say, when you're of a certain profession, you ah, and I have man. talked about this. Yes, we right? have. Like you and I got real. Real focused on the old COVID, when they said you could lose your sense of smell and your sense of taste. Yeah, and that's scary. That's our company. That's our career. That's everything we do in this world. And so even now, in the hopeful post times, rather than the before times Mm. that we talk about, I'm still a little bit careful. I I still have my mask on. I'm still vaccinated. I'm a lot a bit careful. Right? Yeah. Right. And so being in seven grand and embracing the world of young people was a lot, uh, an Mm. awful lot, but you know that old fake it till you make it? I I had a little bit of that, I too am going to pretend that this is the post times. And maybe if I keep pretending, I'll finally buy into it and we will start moving on with, with life just like we've come out to the west coast. Yeah. Just like we have done some pourings. We have yeah. had some meetings. We are trying to embrace the afters.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I've never liked that term fake it till you make it. Because I, I don't think I don't think that's what it is. I think it's it is that getting back to and we've talked about it. Everybody's talking about it. We need to get back to some version of normality or normalcy, you know, whichever version of the word you want to use, the problem is getting to that for some people like ourselves is not comfortable. It just simply <laughs> isn't comfortable. but we will get there, right? it's It's you know you you go through a period of time not shaking people's hands, mm-hmm. and not hugging them, mm-hmm. and like, what does that look like again? And so anyway, so being there was very cool because it was like, we're, we're in a proper bar. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah, yeah. With with good people. Uh, but it's uncomfortable and weird and- Loud. Loud and, you know, but we'll- Which had nothing to do with COVID. It was just loud. <laughs> no, just your age. That had <laughs> everything just, to do with your age. It's just too fucking noisy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> could you all just keep it
0: down? Band, could you sing just a little quieter, please? So the things that I think helped- us to get through it or at least helped me to get through it was the fact that we had um, our dear Elijah with us. Mm-hmm. We had uh, Johnny Baldray mm-hmm. and his wife, Erica. Mm-hmm. Johnny of whiskey and
1: donuts Johnny for anybody donuts. Uh, who enjoys doing Google searches. Right. We
0: already know him. He's doing fantastically well with whiskey and donuts. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, we'll talk about that a bit more in a second. Uh, but, but having them there, and drinking those single cast nation whiskeys uh-huh. that I want that I want you to talk about mm-hmm. did help that along. It helped, you know, sitting in that booth and focusing a bit more on our group, correct, and a bit less on all of the craziness going on in that room, correct. And it was jam packed. So, so that that personally helped me. And in, in that undisclosed six year old Isla from the PX Barrique, we bottled that in seven years ago, 2015. And that was, right? That was a before times Very thing, right? Very much so. And so, so it was really nice to revisit a, uh, a historical whiskey for us and also one that was historical from the standpoint of being able to buy that cask for a decent price, right? Remembering the cost of that cask and remembering that we were able to sell it on for... Uh, a decent price. I want to say it was maybe eighty five dollars for for that Isla. I can I can smell someone's about to go negative. No, and and,
1: and I'll just and, and it was just nice. <laughs> and I'll say, leave it here,
0: <laughs> and that's all I'm gonna say also, about that. <laughs> I'm not gonna bring up the fact that cast prices nowadays <laughs> are suck and <laughs> it's Garbage Town, and <sighs> and I never start an IB now. <laughs> <laughs> So, so what was it about our time at at Seven Grand, whether it was the company, whether it was the whiskeys or, or the beer? Like, what was your take on it? Yeah, it was all of the above. And I, I really
1: like the point you're making a moment ago about once we moved to the booth, we had been sitting at the bar and placing some orders. It was busy and we were being nudged and it felt like the room was closing in around us. Once we moved off to that booth... As much as we were in direct line of the sound waves from the band. Oh my gosh, that woman was singing
0: so, <laughs> so loud. So
1: loud. And so off key. Go on. <laughs> so loud. <laughs> I'm just pleased Tim Gullick's Rudd wasn't in the room. <laughs> because anyone who's written in to talk about your quote unquote perfect pitch. Near perfect pitch.
0: Near perfect pitch.
1: Would I not know. have done well with what was happening in that room on that he night. You
0: No, Tim Gullixrud long uh, longtime listener, music teacher, longtime complimenter, long time yeah. good person. Oh my gosh. He he would have practiced the 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 fine art of self-defenestration. <laughs> and the windows are so
1: small. It's so small. It's <laughs> so small. Um, but, but to, to your point, yeah. which was once we were sitting in that booth, mm. chatting amongst ourselves, asking questions of one another, uh-huh. that felt very nice and very natural. Mm. And not stressful thinking about the room and the situation yeah, yeah, yep. and all of that. And, and I felt like I, I slid right back into the prior life. Um, mm, not a bit more m- comfortably. Right. Yeah. Not worrying. Even <laughs> leaning in to shout into one another's ears uh, so we could be heard over the, the screaming band <laughs> member. Um, but I did want to just circle back quickly to what you're saying there about that cask. Normally, if you walk into a bar and you're single cast nation and you see a few offerings, you kind of split up your order, right? Hey, why mm. don't you grab that one? I'll grab this one. Hey, maybe Elijah, you grab that one. And we bought three pours of the <laughs> yes, undisclosed <we> <laughs> six-year-old for three of us uh-huh. and and just savored them. And having an opportunity to savor that with Elijah obviously yeah. celebrating him being in the company and as you said 2015
0: he <laughs> was he legal to drink he was no, i okay, thought right? i <laughs> thought about this when you were giving the number
1: uh, he would have been 22 so he would have been oh 1 gosh. year uh into his legality one complete year of legality under his belt and entering wow. his 22nd year yeah but it it's a it was such a great cask mm-hmm. and and if if anyone remembers from that time, it it was a, a cheeky wee, shpulin, schmaga spulin. schmaga schmullen. Yeah, that's uh, right. Isla offering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, real real tasty. And so that that was a real treat. And again, a little bit of that historical context yeah. of our own company. Yep. I remember from that time period driving mm-hmm. back from spring break mm-hmm. with my boys. Uh, my literal chil- children, who were eight and five. They, they weren't down there playing baseball. Yeah. And 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 that was a
0: launch that was done... Wait, spring break or spring training? Spring training. Spring training. Did I say spring break? Well, yeah, you, you said spring break, but I imagine you, you meant spring training.
1: Well, it was actually both, because my eight-year-old would have been on spring break from the school, which allowed uh, us to go down to spring training, but that's using the word spring
0: a lot. Was... Was this was this Seattle days? Was this the Mariners? Where, where, where was this? No, no. We moved to Virginia in 2012, so we went down to Florida.
1: We actually watched the Nationals. Oh, uh, the Nationals. Okay, yeah. yeah. Got My it, youngest it, is it, a Nationals yep. fan. Yep. My yep. eldest yep. is a Mariners fan. Yeah, and so coming back there, and you had made the launch uh, online when mm-hmm. I was still mm-hmm. driving, mm-hmm. and I remember that being one of our first. Quick Sellers Quicker For sure Yeah We're even We're even talking You know Two hours Yep And we had a sellout out On that Yeah Obviously, if we release that now, yeah. we'd be two minutes.
0: Oh, I I thought you were going to say obviously is because I launched it. It, it, <laughs> it sold quickly, got it. <laughs> You know, you, you should definitely take all
1: the credit for logging, for launching a schmaga that sold out fantastically well. I was definitely. You <laughs> had nothing to do with the and PX Sherry. Gosh, PX Barrique, <laughs> my goodness. So, so, so again, right? Historical context before times. Mm an original bestseller sitting in a bar with whom we've had a terrific relationship since day one of this company, and to be able to sit there and enjoy that historical port with Elijah, a newer addition to this company, (laughs) Mm -hmm. in a time when we're trying to come out from under our rocks and trying to travel across the country. It was a lot of things, but I, I came out of it feeling yeah, pretty, pretty decent. Like, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty brave. Like I'd,
0: like I'd confronted something. Oh, there you go. You got over a fear. You've right. Yeah, there you go. You dove off the high, the high board. Got it. Yeah, yeah checks up. Yep, a successful high dive. But seven grand wasn't the only reason for being in LA. It was not, and and this this was another thing, right? What did we do in the before times? We were at a lot of whiskey festivals or large gatherings. And and so actually the the number one reason that that we were out here was um, an event called Good Ride. Mm -hmm. Tanks for Troops. Tanks for Troops, which is uh, uh, an event that Carrie Hart puts on with a gentleman by the name of Big B. Big B, that's on his passport. Yep. And Kerry Hart, uh, many of you may be familiar with him, with his motocross days. He also builds custom Indian bikes as well. Um, Some of you might know him simply as being the singer Pink's husband. That's how I first got to know him, because I didn't, I'm not a motocross guy. I'm not a motorcycle guy. And I know who Pink is, right? And so... Our good friend Johnny, who we mentioned mm-hmm. uh, being at Seven Grand with us, uh, happens to be good friends with them. And when this idea of having their 30 annual Good Ride event was being put together, they wanted Johnny to do this whiskey and donuts pairing. And Johnny was like, "We should maybe do some sort of a charitable bottling," and asked us if we would be interested in working with this. And so, and so we were. And so we we bottled a bourbon specifically for this event, exclusively for this event. And just to be very clear, as we're talking about this, this is not something that anyone's going to see showing up on store shelves or on our website or anything like that. This is an exclusive charity raising bottle for Good Ride. But that's why we were out there. We wanted to support Johnny and his friends. And tanks for troops, you know, we're... Um, they were beautiful. Yeah, absolutely Those were gorgeous. some incredible designs,
1: it had been a, a long auction, again, raising the funds for charity, with the auction closing during the Good Ride event yeah, yeah. held live in L.A. And that was an exciting thing to be a part of. Yep. But yeah, kudos to, to Johnny. I, I know he worked his butt off. <laughs> this is the part where I always make our jobs sound more difficult than they are. He put together eight wonderful donut and whiskey pairings. Oh my gosh! Right, yeah. Uh, Westward was in the room. Fucano, Oishi,
0: Glenfiddich, and then ourselves. We did the the bourbon and and we also had our um, Wolf Island bottling. And Greg Schwartz, Mm -hmm. who is uh, the director of of the Water of Life film, along with um, Alphonse came Uh down. Alphonse was there. Um, and and Greg helped us pour that. And did it was so cool. Saying to people, like, either
1: have a taste of this bourbon that's being used to raise Mm $20,000 for the Good Ride charity. Or go down there and taste that Wolf Island single malt scotch that's being poured by the director of the Water of Life film. Yeah, that's okay.
0: I'll be honest, that felt a little bit like an L.A. moment. Oh, yeah, that was... uh, I'm on this side of the rope, like you had said, Jason. Now I get the reference. There you go.
1: I don't get experiences like that when I'm sitting in my office in the Shenandoah Valley.
0: No, no, no. And you know what? It, It was... And I know Elijah got to speak with her. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. didn't, but Pink was in the room mm-hmm. and uh, had her mask on and everything. Um, but, you know, there she was and it's, yeah. And for those who, who know the name or know the band, the Dirty Heads were there. Yeah. Um, got yep. a got
1: a chance to speak to to one of their, their members, collaborators, uh, Sean. It was great, great, great chat with him as yep. well. Yep. And there was just a ton of great people with a ton of enthusiasm. And a bit like you're talking about, seven grand there you could tell people were happy to be out the house they were happy to be at an event yes there was an excitement to it and i had i had a ton of incredibly easy conversations
0: with people i was meeting for the very first time but that's you in your zone right that that's that's you in your happy place you just you like to get bits you like to talk with people learn about them I do I love learning about people's palates so, so my question to you really quickly uh-huh. is did the event feel more comfortable than being in a bar 100% yeah 100% it was a huge yep. room it was a yeah.
1: huge space yeah. all the tables were nicely spread out the tanks were in the middle of the room people were flowing around no table was ever overwhelmed mm-hmm. but for me kind of glancing around the room all of us stayed busy all night yeah. long yeah. and and yeah very high ceilings it was yeah it was a there was a different feeling being in a venue exactly. space yeah. that was your experience too
0: yeah yeah it just it, it felt it felt better and like you had said a, a, a wider room a bigger room the ceilings right uh it was I was a bit more comfortable.
1: Um, <laughs> Before yeah. you, you move on there, oh, we're actually right. going to launch a half episode the day after this episode. Yes, we are. So, you know, I was going to bring that up in the news, but I'm glad oh, you brought it up. I was going to
0: mention it here and then just circle back to remind oh, okay. the listeners in the news. There you go. Good. So, so once we're done with our interviewee. Oh, ho, ho. You the will, reason for the season. The reason for the season. You will want to listen to that news because um, it's going to be fun. So today we have someone that we've known from from even before we started the company. For you know, from our earlier blogging days, the before before times, the before before times. Uh, you and Morgan, who is with Diageo. Mm -hmm. He was part of their Masters of Whiskey program earlier on. Uh, His role has changed a little bit, and he'll talk about that in the interview. One of the things that he did helped to launch the Orphan Barrel line, right? So any fans of that, this is your guy. And what I like about Ewan is we're not just friends with him. We're friends with his dad and uh, Bill, the wonderful Bill Morgan. And when I one of the things that I enjoyed about this interview, and I will tell you, Jason, listeners, I will tell you, A, this is one of the funniest interviews I think we've ever had, but B, in talking with you and in hearing about his family history, both past and now moving on with his own son in, in the industry, it was great to hear that that generation after generation after generation history of the Morgans within whiskey. And I I just found that all to be fascinating. But the other thing I was gonna throw in is, here we are talking about the historical
1: context of that undisclosed six-year-old in the PX Barrique. And now here we have the historical context that flows through a whiskey family. Mm. And exploring that, unpacking Mm -hmm. that a little bit in this interview, just it felt really wonderful and i I, honestly i would have loved to have heard even more about that family and those extensions but we had a a bunch of things to get onto so i understand why we kept moving but but what he shared was was really
0: really excellent yeah and so last things we'll say and then we'll hand it over is that this is a longer interview is it it is a longer interview okay uh, and, and a longer introduction for that longer interview. you're welcome, Jason. listeners. But what I found interesting, and I was texting you the other day as I was editing and letting him know I was just laughing my friggin ass off, and he agreed. He said, we just scratched the surface. <laughs> we just we barely touched on things and so and so we will have you and on again, and hopefully this you know, next time we speak with him, in person over beers, over drams, over, you know, food, good times, great oldies. So without further ado, we welcome the wonderful Ewan Morgan. Jason, I've let off the past two conversations. I'm going to let you take charge with this interview.
1: Wow, gosh, he uh, never I'm, I'm ever giving. puts me in charge ever. I'm giving, I'm a giving man. Oh that. my gosh, that's right wow. here. So, like the kids washing the dishes, I'm gonna do a terrible job of this, and then he's gonna take it back from me for the rest of time.
3: <laughs> that's why he's doing it. Oh gosh, I don't know. It's all part, part of his malignant plan all along. <laughs> he's thrown me under the bus. <laughs> it's, it's, with that that reference to that infamous video and then now he's throwing you under the bus I could see this his being a listen to c- this testament to just how mean he is
0: his malignant plan is like the next emo band his
3: malignant <laughs> <plan>. <laughs> yeah. Are they playing at that god-awful festival in Vegas? Yes, they the- are. Oh.
0: <laughs> it's Fallout Boy, His Malignant Plan, My Chemical Romance, and, and a few others.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Who doesn't love a better emo? Me. <laughs>
1: <sighs> um, so, so, so let's begin at the end. Okay. Clearly, you're you're a well-travelled man. How many tastings would you do in the case of a normal year? And then, what has COVID been like for you? COVID living.
3: Um, that's a really interesting question, and the answer is somewhat surprising. Um, in a normal year, I've never counted, but over a hundred, easily. Sure. In a, in a normal year, yeah. from staff trainings to whiskey clubs to seminars to dinners, etc., 100 plus. With the onset of this global plague <laughs> that we're all still in the throes of, mm-hmm. um, that number actually increased. Ah. And, a, and it went to a virtual scenario. And I was doing a lot of distributor trainings, internal trainings, onboardings for new staff for Diageo. Mm-hmm. As well as all the whiskey club stuff, as well as like companies who rec- would come to the Azure and say, "Hey, we need a, a whiskey experience." For example, so that that number I would say went up maybe twenty percent.
0: Okay. Oh wow. Okay. Mm. So
3: yeah, I haven't counted it, but yeah, no, I I noticed it went up, you know, exponentially to begin with, and it kind of plateaued a little bit as people got Zoom fatigue, mm. and you know, we're now we're now in year two of this. Uh, but it hasn't hasn't gone away. I'm still doing a lot of these.
1: How did you find the differences for yourself?
3: <sighs> All right. So the differences are. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the diplomatic way of putting it. It's doing Zoom calls sucks. Uh, that's the diplomatic way of putting it <laughs> because you don't you don't have the human connection yeah. like. You, you can't, like, pick up on these kind of micro body language things that you would do if you are presenting live. Sure. You don't have the same rapport. You can't bounce off of people in the same way that you could in a live situation. So the dynamic isn't as dynamic, mm-hmm. um, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But the good thing is, you know, people are are stuck at home. You've got a fairly captive audience, so they are listening. And then you can reinforce that with, like, visuals and decks and then offering like downloads and things like that mm-hmm. so in terms of the materials that you can give across it immediately that's a very handy thing to do but for me you know i'm a i'm i I'm a big proponent a big fan of like the live performance and giving it your all and it's not that i don't give it my all with with zoom calls because i do
2: mm-hmm.
3: but you know it's very different you know talking face to face is completely different to talking to someone on a screen Although we're having some good banter here. <laughs> if the three of us were if the three of us were in a room right now, like we'd be drinking a whiskey together, we would have had a, a chat beforehand. You know, there would have been a slightly different like dynamic, a bit more, you know, easy ozy and whatnot and I don't know. It's just different. It's hard. It's hard to verbalize because I'm not very clever, but I'm sure very intelligent. We'll be circling to back to that
0: with shortly, don't you worry? With, with, be- with, with better words, <laughs> I think one of the upsides to doing the zooms, though, is you can do all of your events without pants, which is really on the
3: plus side. Yeah, I'm not wearing any right now. That's.
0: I'm
1: glad this is audio only. This is for for our listeners. They don't have to see. I it. We can full, see full disclosure. <laughs> Oh, I'm put wearing, it away, You Put it away. Look at jeans. I'm
3: wearing jeans. I am wearing pants. Diageo yeah, HR department.
1: So, <laughs> the fact he's pantless,
3: pantsless, but he is wearing socks. That's classy. Yeah. Classy jeans. Yeah. No pants and a wry smile. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, yeah. so I think.
1: That, I think the question that people are now starting to bring up is... A, why is he not wearing pants? But B, what do you, you know, assuming this will come to an end, and it might be this year, it might be five years, but when this comes to an end, do you think your job will be a combination of in-person stuff that you used to do and Zoom stuff that you've started doing during the pandemic? Or do you think Zoom will go away completely and and you'll be done with it?
3: No, I don't think it's gonna go away. I think, I think it's now woven into the fabric of what we do yeah. and, you know, yeah. people see it as a useful tool, and it is a useful tool, but the the live stuff, obviously, is going to come back, but if, if I have to do, like, a general sales meeting or GSM in uh, <laughs> Diageo <laughs> parlance, uh, it's much easier for me to, like, jump on and Zoom and present rather than go down to, I don't know, Greenville or, or wherever. So, being able to knock these things out and have like a, a wide distribution and um, the immediacy of it, mm. and also the fact that you can then record it and people can watch it afterwards, so if they missed anything, they can review it. Whereas with the live situation, you can't really do that. So there is benefits to it. Do I think it's going to go away? As I said, no, I don't. I don't think Zoom is is going to go away. But I would, I will see it. You know, it will plateau. It will dip down as. Mm-hmm. You know, we're out and about, and I'm I'm already out and about in market. I've been out and about in market for oh, well over a year. So, um, okay, yeah, yeah. And what's um, that looking yeah, like?
0: How's it different? Because obviously it's different, but how so?
3: Yeah, smaller audiences uh, for one. <laughs> <laughs> not in, not in stature. I'm not just talking to munchkins these days. Just you know, doing tastings well, uh, in small. Hobbiton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're uh they're not the most attentive bunch they always seem to be looking for something else i don't know anyway Elevancies. so <laughs> it rings <laughs> uh precious uh where are we going with this oh yeah so uh the audiences have been much smaller but i've been doing like consumer events staff trainings dinners um, I've been on a national tour with with Vine Pair doing like high end single malt dinners. I'm about to go to California to do another one. I'm off to California next week for nine days to work Super Bowl and then do some dinners and do some staff trainings. And um, doing a a more like masterclass uh, whilst I'm out there as well. I'll do a staff training for seven grand. down in San Diego. So uh, I try and oh, pack nice. my trips as much as possible. Just got back from Boston. I was doing a Burns dinner up there. Oh, okay. But yeah, people people are people are desperate to get out and kind of latch back onto you know, quote unquote, some kind of normality. After you know two years of this pandemic, people are are chomping at the bit to get back out there. So I would say you know as soon as as soon as people are comfortable with it, it's going to be a different a different world. Obviously, there's a lot of people who have that trepidation of going out, certainly in a an environment where you can have multiple people in a condensed mm-hmm. space, and I get that. But then you've got other people who you know are triple vaxxed or they've had COVID, and their antibodies are are through the roof, and they're more comfortable to be in that kind of environment. So it's been it's been different for sure. Have I still enjoyed it? Absolutely. Um, was I was I happy to get out there and do it? Definitely. Um, you know, I dodged the COVID bullet for two years and got it just before Christmas. Oh no! As a, as, yeah. Uh. But you know what? I lost a ton of weight, so I'm not that mad about it. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say you're looking quite so, smelt
0: these days. Silver
3: linings. Oh, you you're making me blush. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm a little thinner than I used to be. Okay. And healthier, for sure. I go to the gym every day.
2: But hey. so it's not all it's
3: not all it's not all COVID weight drop. There is some blood, sweat, and tears. Have gone into th- this beautiful physique that you're now ogling.
0: The fact that you're bleeding. Talking about you, Jason, has me nervous. That that really has. Bleeding. Me-
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you get nipple plasters now, so that's gone away. It's fine.
1: <laughs> uh, we. T- I'll bring us out the cul-de-sac.
3: Where your family? <laughs> <laughs> Do they know what a cul-de-sac is in this country? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Know your yeah. audience, Jason. Oh, Josh Joshua lives in a I don't cul-de-sac. Live Everybody a cul-de-sac. knows that. Sack.
0: Everybody knows. I live cul-de-sac, cul-de-sac adjacent, but I am not on a cul-de-sac.
3: Is, is there some kind of snobbery about cul-de-sacs in your community? <laughs> I don't live in a cul-de-sac. I live adjacent to a cul-de-sac. I'm not one of those <laughs> yeah. cul-de-sac riff-raff.
1: Josh, we call them cul de Joshua's cul-de-sacs. an everyman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, were, were the were the family happy to see the back of you once you started going back on the road, or were they still yeah, you, eager to keep think? you home? <laughs> I, I would imagine there were think? tears. There were tears at the door when you when you left on your first trip again.
3: Yeah, tears of joy. I would think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were okay seeing you, the back of you. Yeah, probably. I'm a lot uh so i'd be glad to see the back of me as well to be perfectly honest um uh, but you know what fun fact might not even be a fun fact but it's a fact uh the when pandemic kicked in as of the april when my my travel was at that point banned and uh, going into april that was the longest i'd been at home for over 10 years right yeah yep yeah Completely. yep yeah So readjust, and you guys travel all the time as well. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah,
2: Yeah.
3: it's a different world going from, you know, I traveled eighty percent of the year, and then all of a sudden the the huge handbrake came on, and it was zero, and I was I was at home all the time down here in my office and and cranking out Zoom calls and stuff. I was still getting under my wife's feet and annoying her no end, and so yeah that adjustment and we're weirdly you know figured out that we did actually love each other so there was a good side to it yeah, as gladly. well you're just yeah. full of silver linings today COVID hey, weight loss loves his they wife they call me the good news bear oh, that's, uh, that was my nickname in jail joke never been in jail Nam, never been in now can't do that one either <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. In all in all seriousness, it was it was definitely an adjustment for for all of us. Thankfully, my my wife is an angel and puts up with me. And uh, I'm not an angel by any sense of the word or meaning. But so yeah, we're still here. We're still married, thankfully. Still married, and my son, it. my son, my son has left home. He doesn't live here what? anymore. He lives in he lives in Edinburgh. He actually works at the Johnny Walker Experience in what? Edinburgh. Oh how, yes. how is your son not still 10? Like, yeah, how is, yeah, I thought he was 10. How has time passed? It's, uh, it's called aging. You may What's, have heard of this. That's remarkable. Children that's remarkable. children grow up. He's 21. I thought my he was NAS. Is.
0: He's, your child isn't NAS?
3: <laughs> <laughs> no? no, he is 21. 21. And my, my, daughter, my daughter will be 18 in August. She finishes school. So we're, we're going to be empty <laughs> nesters this summer. That's absolutely. Not to rub it in your face, you two with younger kids. Yeah, you, you much, much longer. They're not fourteen and
1: fifteen forever. They do go beyond that age.
3: Yeah, yeah. So the teenage years, ten out of ten, do not recommend. Uh, <laughs> once, once, you, once you get past that, you know, they turn into rounded, nice, lovely human beings. I can't wait. Uh, Full of compassion, smart. I'm talking about me right now. They're going right, to say they too. take it all from their
1: mum. Yep. <laughs> yeah,
3: Thankfully, they got their looks off their mum as well. They didn't get them off of me.
0: So there you go. I like that though. So your your son's working at the Scotch Whiskey Experience. So this is this? Th- no,
3: he's oh. working at the Johnny. Oh, Walker. oh sorry, Johnny sorry the,
0: the Johnny Walker Experience. So is this is this three generations of of Morgans within the whiskey industry, or does it go even further back? So your grand, your grandfather as well?
3: Yeah. My grandfather was the brewer at Cardew.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. so Yeah. So, so Jason started us off with now. Can we rewind the clock back? And let's talk about some of this lineage. Obviously, you know, Jason and I, we've known you for years. We've known your dad for years. But this is my first time in and I'm guessing Jason's first time, hearing about your grandfather working as a brewer at Cardew. So let's talk about some of this history there. That sounds fantastic. Mm -hmm.
3: So yeah, my grandfather worked at a few distilleries, so Elgin, Imperial, Cardew. Uh, Cardew is where he spent most of his career. And he started off uh, working in the maltings and then he became the head maltman. Then obviously they closed the maltings there at the end of the 60s. And then he took on the role, role of brewer, and he did that up until his retirement. But my dad worked there at the same time as him, and my uncles also worked there at the same time as him. So there was a, was a large amount of Morgans at Cardew at one time. And then my cousins started working there. So, yeah, it was like the Morgan mafia of Speyside who all seemed to congregate there. Then my dad moved to Craig and Moore. After Craig and Moore, he got a job at Tandu Distillery. But there's a really great picture of my, my Uncle Arthur and my dad and my grandfather and the steps that goes up to Evan Katnick's old office. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, I'm sure you've seen it. My dad posted it on, yeah. on, the fa- on the book of the faces. Um, but I'm not on Facebook anymore. But he is. He's prolific.
0: He is prolific. Your dad is a good follow on Facebook because his photography is fantastic and the old pictures that he puts mm-hmm. up. So just some really nice history.
3: Yeah. And he he would be he'd be upset if I didn't mention the fact he's gonna be doing a photography exhibition for the Spirit Space festival
2: oh, this fantastic. summer.
3: At the Grant Hall in Rothis. So if you get bored, you can actually go next door. There's a chip shop next door and a, and a co-op. So you can go in. Those are, those are like the activities in Roth. photography of old distilleries, chips, and go and buy yourself some Tonics tea cakes. Knock yourself out. Sounds like yeah. a winner. Jason salivating right now. He's getting the Tonics yep. tea cake FOMO.
1: Oh, I, t- I tell you, Jess just sent over some chocolate hobnobs and some uh, chocolate digestives. And 1100... Ooh. PG
3: tips. Oh really?
0: Uh, PG just the tips. You can buy PG tips. yeah, just oh
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> PG sorry. And I've been told I'm not
1: allowed to double dunk them.
3: So. <laughs> what? Just the tip? <laughs> Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Hold <laughs> well, oh, on, I've been doing it wrong all of along a like One time useful
1: That's what I'm told.
3: <laughs> I didn't realise that we we're gonna delve into PG Tip Land. But it's, I'm not mad about it. Tea cakes, right? I did, I did, and we have PG tips here as well as Tetley Our local shop sells them. Sorry, just, store, store, Jason. It's too expensive, um, Ewan too pricey. Now you're just reinforcing this thrifty <laughs> stereotype about the Scots. That's why i double, like why a double duck. <laughs>
1: a single dunk, it feels extravagant but here we are, anyway so back
3: to your back to your family <laughs> tree, back to your dad we got to the Cardoo Mafia I feel like my mushrooms just kicked in this just got very bizarre but.
0: oh yeah, this, this is the whole tea. microdose session HR department
3: right? <laughs> yeah let's, let's talk about aged psilocybin, no let's not alright, so, where were we so,
1: so your dad had made it to Kragenmore
3: yes and then he was the youngest ever head warehouseman uh, at Scottish Malt Distillers. Whilst he was there, I think basically because no one else wanted to do the job, he ended up working there. And then he he moved obviously over to Tamdu Distillery. And uh, at the 1973, when I was born, uh, you know, he was in the distillery cottages There, he worked at the lab, and, and then he went and got his degree um, um, at Robert Gordon's in in aberdeen and he was still working at the distillery and then he became the maltings manager assistant manager there and then at the age of 16 when i was asked in parentheses to leave school <laughs> uh <laughs> this is another idea as you hr department don't want to hear about it. but yeah i was asked politely to leave school for uh, for the second time I was asked politely to leave primary school as well at the age of 11. Right. So I have that. Yeah, my and my mother was the teacher of the school that I got expelled from first before I got booted out of Speyside High School. Anyway, I that digress. Poor woman. That poor woman, yeah. Um, so I then, at uh, age of 16, when I left school, I started working in the maltings when Tamdu still had Saladin box mm-hmm. maltings. They've now since been demolished. So I was in there every morning shoveling malt, 42 tons of malt. It was team six of us would go in there. And then that would come down from the steeps, so obviously, and then we would lay it down there. And uh, Once it started to germinate, up it would go and dry on the malt floor and away it would go. But, yeah, that, that's what I did. And I started working in the lab, doing tests on the, on the grain as it came in, like nitrogen levels and all of that exciting stuff. And then I left that uh, because working in production in Scotch whisky is a fairly methodical thing. You're doing the same thing day in, day out because you want consistency, obviously. But for a 16-year-old viewing, Uh it got a little tedious Uh because, yeah, I get bored fast. Everyone who knows me knows this fact (laughs) for a fact. Uh, So, yeah, I then went and lived in Aberdeen. I had various jobs there. I was a postman. Until I got hit by a car, then I moved to Amsterdam to recuperate. Because there's uh, legs there. there. I don't want to get hit by a car, but I'll get hit by. Oh, a Yeah, bike. that was the only reason I went. I wanted to build up my legs, my legs again. <laughs> I haven't done a very good job of it. They still look like chicken's legs. But there's there's another fact about me: horrible legs, beautiful face. Um, so it's named my next album: <laughs> "Horrible Legs, Beautiful Face." Yeah, what a what a juxtaposition. <laughs> What a situation to be in! Um, so I did various jobs. I worked to make pizzas. I was a pizza delivery driver. Went to nightclubs, all of that jazz. I went to college there for a little bit. Didn't do particularly well at that. I lived in Israel for a year. I lived in the south of France. I remember that a year in a in a tent. You were on yeah. a kibbutz in Israel, right? Um, I was on two, yeah. yeah I got kicked off did, both of them. Did the first uh, one ask you to leave? And they did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't even make a it joke. Did, yeah. too loud Cibitz. on
0: Shabbos? I think that's, that's the problem.
3: <laughs> I'm not going to tell you why. But uh, Kibbutz Sarid, which is in the Ezra Valley near Afula, and then Kibbutz Ramadavid, which is just up the road where the Air Force base is, um, which had a nightclub on it. I lasted one day on that second one before <laughs> I was... 86th off campus. Then I went and lived in, <laughs> in Tel Aviv, lived in a, a hostel called Momo's Hostel, which I think is still there. He's He was ex Shin Bet. Oh, wow. Uh, so he, he got away with all sorts. There's a lot of people in there who shouldn't have been working and were working. So I was a painter and decorator. I worked in a nightclub. I was a minicab <laughs> driver. I uh, I made hummus at a restaurant, all sorts. And then I came back, got a computer science degree. My first job was with Morrison Beaumont, a.k.a. Suntory, uh, doing their online marketing. And then they found out about my backstory of growing up in distilling. I started doing more and more ambassadorial Mm -hmm. stuff to the point that, you know, I then took on an assistant. He did more of my core stuff, and I did more of the ambassador stuff. Did that for, for a number of years. And then Diageo reached out and said, hey, would you be interested in moving to the United States to work on the masters of whiskey program
2: for mm. the
3: folks who've never heard of that? That was our, our national whiskey program, ambassadorial program here in the United States. And um, I said, no, they asked me again. And I just had a, a slight falling out with my then boss who I'm not going to name. And uh, I said, yes. And I went home and I said, oh, so I was to talk to my wife Went home and talked to my, my wife, Becky. She's like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Wow. So that happened in August, and they're like, well, we need you here in September. So I had to sell house, cars, took my kids. And then on the 29th of October, 2010, we flew to the United States to a town we'd never even been to, Annapolis, where I still am mm-hmm. today. And I started working for, for the Azure and their whiskey portfolio and have been working on their whiskey portfolio for you know over 11 years now.
0: Does... So first off, that journey sounds amazing. <laughs> like there are more ins and outs of what have yous than the Big Lebowski. Like this is, that that's really, really cool to hear all of that. Um, so I really pre- appreciate you sharing all of that. Of course. So the Masters of Whiskey and looking after the portfolio, from a Diageo perspective back in those days, was that relegated to the single malt and was johnny walker kept separate because there always seemed to be a bit of a delineation between like at least going to like shows like whiskey fest and things like that that there was a delineation between what johnny walker booths looked like and what maybe the, the classic malt
3: booths might look like i like the way you said booths there that has a really nice resonance to it. I don't know why. Anywho, here's the answer. <laughs> I got a little weird. Let's see Booths one more time. Booth. You like
0: that? There You're almost go. there? There's some yeah, ASMR right.
3: for you. <laughs> yeah. So, backtrack to the Genesis point, Masters of Whiskey, they ostensibly just looked after Sigamoths under the tutelage of tutelage of uh, Evan Katnick, yeah. whose son, Evan, uh, whose son, uh, Gregor, sorry, that I, I work with still today. Um, and his son is called Evan. Mm. So they looked after single malts, and then they became bipartisan, so they looked after all Diageo portfolio. So they they had Bullet, for example, Crown Royal, George Dickel, single malts, Johnny Walker, etc., etc. Mm. Bushmills, when we still own Bushmills. Uh, and then if you were to visit like a whiskey fest or a whiskey live or any of those kind of events, consumer-led events, they would then, you know, have that delineation that you were talking about. So they had to be treated as, as separate entities yeah. with the exception of classic malts, which was the, the umbrella there. And you would have like Lagavulin, et cetera, that, that booth, booth. And then booth. what you would, <laughs> booth. Booth. And woo, you have that really nice Orson Welles <laughs> resonance thing going on that I don't. Uh, although when he narrated the Transformers movie, that was kind of weird. Anyway, so <laughs> I'm off at a tangent oh again. Gosh. And then you would have you, you would have Crown royal. Yeah, he did. And have you ever seen the Paul Mason advert that he he did? You know the wine, Paul Mason wine. If you go into the, the oh YouTube yes 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 I have pro, seen that that God Orson Welles, he's, Paul Mason. yeah. he is
0: pissed off his rocker like he is so yes. drunk in those advertisements.
3: Yeah, they're the best. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, and if you ever watch Shit's Creek, they do a homage to it in Shit's Creek, uh-huh. where she was like a wine advert yes. and gets progressively more hammered yeah that's a little nod to the Uh Orson. anyway off another tangent again so yeah so you'd have the crowd royal booth the george nickel booth Mm -hmm. johnny walker booth and and it all be staffed by masters of whiskey would one be assigned to each or in the case of the single malt one it would typically myself and gregor if we were available Um, and then the other ones would have we'd have like promo Uh, models there as well Mm -hmm. because they were way more attractive than we are (laughs) and men are stupid and they they're like moths to a flame they'll come towards anything pretty and we are not pretty so (laughs) that's why they were there and they were great as well some of them are very highly highly uh, educated and knew a lot about our brands and so yeah we would we would kind of tag team that but yeah i haven't done i've done a whiskey show in a while obviously because we have a pandemic but yeah, I'm quite keen to see what what they look like these days. You've probably been.
0: Uh, I did. Was it last last May? So so May 2021. There was the whiskey and barrel night in New York, and right, and that that's when maybe it was June, May or June. Anyway, but that's when America was was feeling confident again, <laughs> and. You know, oh, yeah. we, we've cracked the nut. The worst is behind us. And, you know, here we are all in, in hell. Yeah. There's more, yeah. but. Um,
1: <laughs> you also just did Wow San Jose.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that was an outside event. Interesting. Uh, yeah. They, they made that yeah, an outside yeah, yeah. event. Um, so.
3: Is that World of Whiskey? Yeah. We're, or is it just whiskey, called no, Wow? No, Whiskies of the
0: World. <laughs> Whiskeys of the World. Whiskies of the World. <laughs> yeah. yeah all Douglas right, So it's Smith's... not aimed at,
3: like millennials, so.
0: Yeah. wow <laughs> festival lol L- yeah exactly yeah dtf
1: imo <laughs> um i'm just quoting XML. all the things you text me
0: You and that's all so
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, so. whatever we have to keep this pg-13 here all right
0: keep going oh, i thought it was nc-17 <laughs> anyway
3: all right have about it so is, is well, it so interesting here. though yeah. i thought
0: it was just pg tips
3: <laughs> pg just a tip you forgot about that joke
0: so as i was saying (laughs) (laughs)
3: we're
0: never gonna get through so you know as as you were mentioning all of those brands it's so funny you know when i think of diageo i think of the 20 some odd malt distilleries in scotland and then i think of johnny walk 31 all right we'll, we'll talk about that um uh, in a little bit, and then and then of course I think of Johnny Walker, and but I never, for some reason, I don't think about Dickel, and I don't think about some, some of the other non-Scottish brands. From your perspective as a Diageo ambassador, someone who who really ha- looks after the entire portfolio, how much of your time is is spent looking after the American stuff, be it like Orphan Barrel or Dickel, and how much of it is on the on the Scottish side of things?
3: So my role has changed okay. recently, whereas before I, I had full portfolio. I still have Orphan Barrel, which you can see behind yep. me here. Um, I've, I've worked on that project since it's Genesis mm-hmm. and, and been fairly heavily involved in it. Um, but these days, I don't really work on anything apart from luxury, really. Oh, okay. um, so me I me fancy. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> all, all like the expensive single malt. Orphan Barrel falls under that remit, uh, the high high end Don Julio, Zacapa XO, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Uh, Johnny Walker Blue and up. So I, right. I work on those now. But prior to that, if you were, if I was to look at how I split my time out, I, I I spent a good amount of time on Scotch because Johnny Walker is a, a large volume brand. The, the single malts obviously require a lot of education because it's one of the trickier things to teach people on. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bullet was a was a big brand that we focused on. You know, it, when I started working on Bullet, it was like thirty three thousand cases. It's now like nearly two million. And uh, so, growing these brands in, into what they can become. And George Dickel, um, I started the the George Dickel uh, residency where people would go and work there. The internship at that distillery okay. where ambassadors would go and work there. And it was really like a grain to glass operation almost. So you're going in there working all of the stages of the distilling and fermentation and milling and disgorging and stuff like that. So yeah, I did spend a decent amount of time on American whiskey. Crown Royal, um, Mm -hmm. which is a brand I love. I think the Crown Royal brand story is really interesting. I think how they make whiskey up there is fascinating. Mm -hmm. So they're producing multiple styles of whiskey, not in the same way they produce multiple styles of whiskey at Mortlach, which I'm working a lot on these days. You know they're producing different styles of, of continuous distillation uh, Canadian whiskeys that they then blend together and they go into different cast lineages. So there's 50 different styles of whiskey to pick from when they're coming to the blending. Wow! So yeah, things like that and coming up with education for them that's compelling and interesting and people are going to take things away and, and you get that advocacy for the brand. So you have to love them all. Some are easier to love than others. Um some some you know when I was working on full portfolio for Diageo hospitality program, and you know, I was I was having to come up with education for brands like Crown Royal mm-hmm. uh, as well as brands like uh, Captain Morgan, for example, mm-hmm. and Smirnoff. So I was having to do like a deep dive and and try and, and find things that I was gonna to fall in love with and with the Smirnoff story is actually fascinating. The Captain Morgan story, you know starts in the 1940s in Jamaica. But there's there's not that much information in there. Sure. Uh, you know they've moved location a few times, and their production is you know it's column distillation. Uh, there's there's not a huge amount going on there. Mm-hmm. But you have to find things that are compelling that people are going to find. You know, oh, I didn't know that about Captain Morgan. So trying trying to find something in there that you can create some kind of love and some kind of advocacy isn't always easy, but. If you don't love it, then how can you expect anyone else to love it? So,
0: and, and that was going to be my question: like, how how did you find a love for a brand like Smirnoff? I'm not knocking it as a brand, but it's you know this ubiquitous vodka that is quite a different product from Mortlach or Johnny Blue and beyond. So, mm-hmm. so how how did you find your love for these brands that maybe weren't your bag previously?
3: That's an easy one. You look at the people <laughs> and you try and understand the people behind the brand. And why did they love it? Mm. And then you go into more detail of that. And the Smirnoff story is actually fascinating. You know, It did start off in Russia, moved locations multiple times. Uh, it was in France for a period of time and then moved into the United States uh, late 30s, early 40s. And then you know didn't really get springboard until… They, uh, they came up with fit. This is the original Moscow Mule, mule uh, mug. Yeah. just so mm-hmm. happens to be right next to me from the Cock and Bull restaurant in Los Angeles. Um, so, you know, they were coming up with drinks like that and it was something like that propelled it forward. And then 1969, it was in Dr. No. Again, another huge spring springboard for that brand. Mm-hmm. So finding these things that are, are fascinating to me that you can then talk about the brand with, with genuine passion. And the fact that, you know, you know Smirnoff had... Uh, not only one of the first print adverts that had a black man in it in the United States, but it was also a gay black man.
2: Oh, wow! Uh,
3: and that was way back. that he actually then went on to be the voice of Panthro in Thundercats.
1: Come oh, on. So,
3: Wonderful.
1: Are you me? There you go. Uh, oh, you can hang your hat uh, on that. That's
0: fantastic. So we've got, we
3: have got Orson Welles and Transformers and now we've got Thundercats.
0: Oh gosh. Who, who uh. was the, who was the female <coughs> Thundercat? Double who was bow. Chitara? Was it Chitara? Chitara? Oh, I had the biggest yeah. crush on her. Oh my gosh! Get All right, let's line. stop. Let's stop oh, right okay. there. Get in Listen. the line. Um, uh, I <laughs> can ask... I ask a question. Oh shit! Yeah. yeah, okay. I realize that I'm taking up a lot Just of air know. here. Um, okay, that's no, fine. I'm
3: f- I'm fascinated by this. Your childhood crushes. These kind of <laughs> oh my gosh!
0: Also, two D and, facts and of life for for more oh, yeah. mix.
3: You know, you know. <laughs> So, Jason, go, are go ahead. Fu- are you in a furries as well? No. I'm not a monster. Yes, you are. Um, not
1: honestly, I really could talk about Thundercats all day. But in, in the interests of being a whiskey podcast, I am curious. Thundercats. Oh. He says, "How much time
0: do we talk about?" But how how? Oh, Snarf! Snarf was the Snurf. was the cat Snurf. classic. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Jason. Yeah. Go on. Classic. Uh, in
1: coming over here in in 2010, coming to the US and and taking on your position, and and you just said this just a second ago, now being in charge of the luxury end of things, Hmm. how much were you watching the rise of luxury? How luxurious was it in 2010 when you started? Hmm. And what do your dad and uncles think about some of the, luxurious uh, pricing that has come with this global explosion uh, of single malt and scotch?
3: Holy shit, that's a multifaceted question.
1: Welcome to the All party, right. Ewan. Welcome. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. So the differences between when I moved here in 2010 to today uh, are are noticeably different. Back then, if you were looking at lug- luxury scotch, you were probably talking about brands like Macallan, Johnny Walker Blue, uh, some special releases mm. that would come out from different distilleries, some limited editions, etc. And then you fast forward to today, uh, every brand has a luxury skew, yeah. Uh, yeah. a luxury product that will come out, even if it's a non-age statement one, they can then you know charge fairly substantial prices for that because it is a limited edition so i i'm not saying it's a bandwagon i would definitely say it's a trend that more people Mm. have have jumped on and adopted because they they see they see it as a real jewel in the crown for their brand you know and even like young brands will have them so and, and that's a good thing going back to your question pricing and what do what do my dad and his uncles think about it probably not an awful lot be honest whereas <laughs> we've been around a long time okay and we can remember when you could still buy bottles of mortlick flora and fauna for 32.99 uh-huh. uh, and now they're like 800 bucks uh, if you can find them uh-huh. um, so i would say that it's a double-edged sword and i have to be quite careful about how i frame this out But if you if you look at like the affordability back then versus now, even Macallan, uh, you know you can still buy Macallan seventeen back then when they still had the seventeen relatively inexpensively. You go to today and you look at prices of Macallan, and I'm not not pointing Mm -hmm. fingers at them by any means. It's just an example. Sure. Um, you know, is it is it as accessible? Is it affordable as it used to be? No. Of course, it's not, and a bourbon has suffered the same thing. Yes, has, you know, yeah. you, if if you look at you know Pappy Van Winkle, great example. I remember going into liquor stores in New Jersey, and you could pick up bottles of that very inexpensively. Mm-hmm. And now we know what that those prices look like, all because of Anthony Bourdain,
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, rest in peace, who I got who <laughs> I got really drunk with in New Orleans years ago. That's another long story. It's anyway, nice. broke two fingers, broke two fingers that night falling off a mechanical bull anyway it's so <laughs> in the bourbon cowboy uh just opposite Absent house yeah so <laughs> it's it's a tricky one because you can see where brands are coming from because they want to have something that's profitable they want to have something that again you know i'm talking about having a jewel in the crown or something special that people talk to and you know that's your north star people are talking about you know what's the pinnacle of what you create yeah. and you can say it's this and here's the reason why, and here's how we created it, and here's why we created it. Um, but in terms of you know, the the old guard who still remember what pricing used to look like, it's mm-hmm. it's it's a better better pill for some of them. But yeah, at the same time, my dad is still going out and spending fairly sizable amounts of money collecting whiskeys um, because he sees the value in it and he likes doing it. But you know what what I would say is it's sometimes hard for people who love a brand to buy that brand's products,
2: mm-hmm. and
3: that that generally rubs me up the wrong way. There should be affordable stuff in there as well, and sometimes there isn't. Or there should be stock that you can buy, and because it's a smaller brand, or you know, it's on allocation or whatever, it sometimes gets a little tricky. So, if you bump into people and they're saying, you know, I I love distillery X, but I can't get this, or I saw. They were advertising this new, new special release or limited edition or, or whatever, and they, they had tried their hardest to get it, but it got picked up by people who were then flipping it on the internet the next day. And, and you know, the flippers, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, without, without using salty language, uh, have changed the landscape of whiskey. Once people see blood in the water and they see cash that could be made, yeah. easy cash, then you know it's, it's like yeah. any other equity; they're going to jump on it. Yeah. Is
1: blood in the water one of the orphan barrels? Am I remember <laughs> uh,
3: the next? Blood yeah, it's the next one. It's coming up. Yeah, um, I thought it was no, blood in not. the
0: gym. I thought that was it—blood, sweat, and tears in the in the gym.
3: <laughs>
1: Anytime somebody says, "I remember when," you know, nothing good's going to follow yeah, from it. Yep. And I say, "I remember when" all the time, and, and I know people stop listening as soon as I say that. So. I, I yeah, like I just stopped your... listening there. <laughs> Which is why I'm going to come back with a compliment to get you listening again. I'm just again. <laughs>
3: staring wistfully off in the distance. It's Orson <laughs> Welles poster.
1: No, so, it's a right, it's so, two, so,
3: right, two e-poster.
1: So, uh, so I like what you're saying there about Booth. having the, the affordable offerings, right? We, and we just spoke yeah. with uh, Georgie Crawford about Lagaville an eight-year-old. Lagavulin, eight-year-olds, is an absolutely cracking whiskey. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you can pick that up, your mileage may vary, but, you know, $45, $60, maybe a bit more than that in some other states. But I might not be able to get my hands on the 37-year-old Lagavulin that I I think was at the distillery for 1,500 pounds, but the eight-year-old is something I... I can happily drink day in and day out. So
2: yeah.
1: I think keeping accessibility in mind is hugely important. So I'm glad you brought it up.
3: Yeah. And my son actually works with Georgie's sister. Oh, Isla? Yeah. Last nice wow. one. Yeah. Yeah, they work together. Wow. It's a small world, isn't it?
1: It's a small yeah. world yeah, after last, all. Last time we did a warehouse tasting at Lagavulin, it was with Isla. Oh, wow. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, there you As go. In, yeah. Isla was the one doing the pouring yeah, for Pinky. That's right. It wasn't Pinky. So he just wasn't allowed to pour
3: at that time. Oh, all right. Let's gloss over that. Moving on. All right. <laughs> I said he was in the room. <laughs> <laughs> the elephant in the room that you just created. The Pinky elephant in the Thanks. room. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. They're everywhere. Oh. A Fantasia reference for you. I think yes. we're going to like a cartoon theme throughout the course of this. Perfect.
1: That <laughs> yep. works out great. It's
3: a lot so. abstractly, but never mind.
1: <laughs> Joshua, I got to ask my question. I am happy to give you back the floor.
0: But listen, if you, if you had something else, uh, I'm going to take us in a slightly different direction. So if you,
1: yeah, go for okay. it. I've,
0: I've,
1: I've got a controversial thing that I want to talk about, but I don't think you want to get into other people's business. So once we hit stop. You I've, can I've ask a, me. You can ask me, I'll I'll either
3: answer it or I won't. Have at it.
1: So here's something interesting, is I've been observing people who make it into your type of position and they've moved into the luxury side of their brands, they're walking into places, they're selling absolute shit hot, they're going to all the big parties, And then they say, you know, instead of making this money for this conglomerate, I could be making this in my own back pocket. And they leave this all singing, all dancing position. They go off into the world on their lonesome and they disappear. And then they perhaps make it back in another brand position. But given that you are one of those people in that position, do you see that appeal of... I could, I could go out mowing here. I could be my own singing, dancing superstar. Do you see the temptation? And then at the same time, do you pull back from that cliff and you say, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing here. I'm really enjoying this. And I see the value. There's a question for you, Ewan.
3: So when you say that they go off into the world and never see it again, are you implying that they're being assassinated? Is that where you're going with that? Is this some kind of born <laughs> conspiracy theory that it's, you've got going on here? Are you Joe Rogan? <laughs> Is this a Joe Rogan podcast? Look, let's be honest, we're after
0: Spotify we're money. We're gonna get That's what on we're after Spotify. You. Could you help us get Spotify money? We want to take up the ne- space ne- that
3: Neil Young once once inhabited, so yeah. we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Jody Mitchell. Exactly. If they had graves, they'd be spinning in them like fucking turbines. Um <laughs> Where were we? Okay, so the honest answer to that is it is not as binary an answer as you may expect. Obviously, I think about it. It's everyone would like to have their own brand, and you know what? Never say never. Or if you know I get to retirement age, or even before, then it might be something I would I would consider. But at the time being, I'm 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 happy where I am, and I love doing what I'm doing, and I'm you know third generation working on many of these brands specifically walker um i feel like i have a certain amount of duty to it Mm -hmm. as well which might sound corny but it's true because there's there's brands that we have that you know i simply adore and i would find it extremely difficult to to jump away from them and i love the people who make them as well so you become good friends with the distillers the people who work at the distilleries and and I have a certain amount of... Well, I have a lot of loyalty to that kind of thing. I'm a very loyal person. But, you know, if, if, if came the day where I couldn't work with brands like Kleinleash, Cardu, and Brora now that it's reopened, Port Ellen now that it's reopened, mm-hmm. I think that that would be a tough one for me. Because, say what you like about Diageo, they do have the, the largest Scotch portfolio on planet it's Earth. Beautiful a beautiful portfolio. Uh, we yeah. Ha- w- yeah. And, mm-hmm. and we have well in excess of 10 million barrels maturing in scotland all of those different flavors to choose from so like the projects that we have going on are really really exciting and you know even things that came out quite recently like johnny walker high rye mm-hmm. where they're making a rye at teen and itch and they're making a rye at cameron bridge those are being blended together that makes up 60 percent of the makeup and then you've got you know cardew cameron bridge kalila klein leash Glenn Kinchy in there as well. There's a good story behind it, a great price point as well. So innovation that people can afford, I love. And and they they come out with innovation like that, but they're also coming out with like luxury innovation as well. So it's it's no two days ever the same. We have a phenomenal portfolio. The people who make our spirits are all lovely human beings. The people who work in our archive, I talk to all the time. Are extremely lovely human beings. Not the others aren't extremely lovely. They're all extremely lovely. <laughs> but you know, I, I work. I work with a lot of different people, and everyone is nice, uh, and they all love the brands. And to be involved in a company that has that level of energy and positivity is, is a rare thing. And like I've I've been an ambassador for a long, long time, and the average shelf life of a brand brand ambassador is three years. So we uh-huh. to be doing it 20, 20 plus. <laughs> Uh, just as a testament to not only working with Suntory, who were phenomenal, but also working with Diageo, who have a much bigger portfolio specifically on Scotch. I love it. So I, f- I feel like it's a complicated answer, but yeah, it's I, true I like
2: answer. it.
1: No, I, I like it a lot. I like you talking about loyalty, and I like you again talking about people, right? What, mm. What's any job without the right people around you? Mm. And
3: yeah, and we hire really great people as well. like I'm talking about the people who make it but even like in our teams here in the United States we hire really great talent and we nurture that talent and it's nice to see those people grow and progress and their knowledge improve and then them mentor people under them so it's this kind of really nice cyclical thing that's going on where you're paying it forward and you know I try and share as much knowledge as I can with the teams and I try and mentor as many of them as I can but we have we have a large team we have over 160 people. So traveling and spending time with them, but also doing like online education and recording things that they can go back and self-study, I, I feel like I have a certain amount of, of uh, loyalty to them, well, a lot of loyalty to them, but also a lot of, you know, responsibility. Your facts have to be correct. You have to double, triple check them because then <laughs> they're going to relay them. And mm-hmm. if you get something wrong, for example, then it's like... A cascade effect of, of inaccuracy. So, making sure that all those facts are solidified and checked and you're happy with them, and that is the messaging that should be going out there into the ether and beyond, is, is a big responsibility. But I, I, I love it. I genuinely love my job. I really do. I'm a very lucky boy.
1: Fantastic. <laughs> I love that. <laughs>
3: yeah. Just for reference, Joshua's crying right now, he's, it's he's just, weeping it's like a baby. <laughs> Your sincerity
0: is just touching. It's making my heart swell.
3: Yeah, wow. Well, yeah,
0: he's still thinking about you, I am I'm, still. I'm thinking welling about up
3: Chetana. as well. Yeah, there's is, something else Chetana, swelling
0: as well. But this is another story. <laughs> Listen, I I had a question. Um, yeah. One of the things that that I think has been fun to watch, even though I, I wouldn't say I participated along the way, though though I have dipped toes here and there, is watching the evolution of the Johnny Walker line and the additions of different Johnny Walker colors, different blends, you know, a dedicated blend, and now with high rye. Like, that, that's that been really interesting to see. But I haven't seen much change to, say, classic malts. And, and so I wonder... Is there a plan for Diageo to start focusing a bit more on, on single malts, on classic malts? Is there a potential with Rosile being on board now for almost 10 years that, that a lot of liquid can come from there to go into blends to maybe bolster some of the other single malt distilleries that you have within the portfolio?
3: That's a really good question. And, and the answer lies in volume. If you look yeah. at global volume of sales, Johnny Walker is 90% plus mm. of our whiskey. So they keep the lights on. There would be no single malts without blends. Of course. And that's been the case for for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Walker, red best selling Scotch whiskey on the planet, uh, with the exception of the United States, where black outsells red. It's the only country in the world where black outsells red. Oh,
2: wow.
3: So if you're looking at the simple math, of it blends make the money so the money goes behind the money so Mm -hmm. if you're driving it forward and you want to keep these distilleries operational single malt distilleries then you have to support the ones that are making the cash and it's that brand specifically johnny walker we also have other large blended brands like buchanan's for example um i would say that is that is changing Uh, And some people who focused on single malts and have done a very, very good job with it, William Grant specifically, Edrington who with McAllen, have done very, very good jobs of marketing those brands and have done for decades. Um, That is changing, though, however, whereas the Azure are doing a a real big focus on single malts, specifically Mortlich. Mm-hmm. um which i'm working on a large project like that right now and there's a sizable investment has gone behind that brand so i'm going to be going on a national tour with that shortly okay. visiting 11 cities and talking to distributors talking to bar owners on-premise usbg etc etc and uh and and that's something that we've never really done it of, of scale before so, you know, the tide is definitely turning mm-hmm. and and focus is going on and looking at brands that, single malt brands that, you know, Diageo love and we have enough volume to supply the market. The United States being an enormous market. If you're a small brand, sometimes it's hard to get national distribution or support national distribution. Sure. But having a brand like, like Morlake, which is a reasonable output from that distillery, but we have a lot of aged stock in there. So we have enough, juice to support not only the united states but as a global campaign but here in the us we're putting a decent amount of of dollars behind that brand and you know that that will be the benchmark and we'll see where we get with that uh, and then yeah. Talsker, lagavulin i will say are very important mm-hmm. to our world here they, they sell very well here in the united states lagavulin we put a large investment behind couple of years ago you know with the nick offerman campaign sure. <laughs> which was uh which was very successful uh, and, a, and a completely organic thing people think that we engineered it and we did not um the, the showrunners were big fans like of wool and they got nick offerman to start drinking it and then he fell in love with it <laughs> and we didn't pay to have that on the show it just appeared and then from there the opportunities kind of Amazing. organically grew but yeah, it's it's one of it's just one of those things. Like people ask people do ask me that question quite frequently. It's like, you know, why do you not focus more on single malts? Why are we not seeing more large campaigns on single malts and treating them as, as their own entities? And uh, and that is starting to change. And then we're we're doing a a big campaign with Talisker at the moment where we're supporting the Billion Oyster Project. I don't know if you're aware of that, hmm. but they're planning to put a, a billion oyster shells back into the New York Harbor, and then they're they're actually growing oysters on that to clean the water. So it's like a natural oh, wow. uh, filter yeah. to clean out the bay. Uh, and Parley, which is like the ocean charity to cut down on ocean plastics and things like that. So we are, we are doing these these programs, and they are in place, but I would say that the Mortlake one is probably going to be the, the biggest one that you will see this year.
0: Okay, okay will we, well, I don't know if I want to go down.
3: Are you not going to ask me to explain like distillation? <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, so explain 2.87, uh, <laughs> 2.81. 2. Oh, is it
3: 2.81? Yeah. 2. <laughs> well done. Whiskey nerd. <laughs> wow. I've, I've, failed. Every, every one of our
0: listeners is like, you fucking, it's 2.81, you son of a
3: bitch. Um, you're, you're going to edit that bit out I know it You'll keep in all the bits of me Talking about bleeding nipples But when you fuck up 2.81 That one's going to get the cutting room floor There's just going to be style. I
0: have to overdub and I'll just say One It'll be two point yeah, eight In an
3: Orson Welles voice uh, <laughs> um, we, I can't we, explain it if you want I don't mind
0: um, there, we're getting toward the end, and there's there's a question that we we always get everybody out on. However, I think I've got one more question before that in the chamber, before our closing question. Okay. I wanted to give Jason the floor to see. Uh,
1: um, nope, I I appreciate the offer. You let's hear your question, and then we'll get out on our usual ending.
0: I had mentioned Rose Isle before, and 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 this idea that. Rosile would be a distillery that can create a multitude of distillates that could then service the Johnny Walker brand. And I realize 10 years ago, or however many years ago, when Rosile was built, there was a lot of news, right? People talked about it. It was a bit more amongst the, the conversation. We don't hear about it anymore at all. And so I wonder if, if you wouldn't mind just explaining to our listeners what Rosile is, what it's meant to be doing, and, uh, and, and how it just works within the Diageo portfolio
3: writ large. Okay. So Rosile, for the folks who've never heard of it, is a large single malt distillery up near Berghead in Bayside. Um Some people refer to it as the Whiskey Death Star. Some people refer to it as, as Glen Mordor. It oh, has I like that. All, oh, do you? Yeah, it's a good I thought one. thought you might do. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> uh, but it's a, it's a large distillery. Uh, they're doing side styles there. So it's designed, in essence, to to mimic styles. Not mimic distilleries, but mimic styles. So mm-hmm. grassy, fruity, nutty, etc that can then go into our blends so blends like johnny walker which we've spoken about bells Mm -hmm. which you will see in uh in the uk buchanan and so on and so forth so it's it's a large output i think it's a 14 washbacks that they have on site there they've got 14 stills Hmm. um and they and they're almost carbon neutral they use biomass on site so for those folks who don't know what biomass is so you'll have these large tanks called the anaerobic respirators the spent grain from the distillery will then go into those and then microbes attack that and create methane we use that methane to ignite in in turbine generators and that creates electricity which then runs the distillery it's a very green way of doing things they also have one at cameron bridge distillery which is Diageo's largest distillery, which is 115 million litres of pure alcohol a year. They, they also make the grain whiskey for Johnny Walker, Tanqueray for the global market, Gordon's, Smirnoff for the European market, Pims. It's a, it's a real powerhouse. <laughs> and again, it's almost completely carbon neutral. Uh, we, we take very little in from the national grid. Uh, and that's something that Diageo are, are very committed to. But at Rosale, they have that in operation. But it has been in operation for some time now. Um, we have seen like a special release come out, like occasional like uh, like limited editions internally of Rosile liquid. Mm. Um, we haven't seen a commercial liquid come from from there yet because that's not what it was built to do. Sure. Now I'm not I'm not going to stand here or sit here and say that we're never going to do that. But it was built for a purpose, and the purpose was to create liquids for our blending team uh, because it's a large distillery. They can produce multiple styles. They also, you know, fun fact, they have twin condensers off of each still, one stainless steel and one copper shell and tube, and they can vacillate the, the vapor between the two, or they can just do a stainless steel run if they want to have less copper contact. Or if they want to have more purification, uh, they can go back to copper again. So they can have a heavier, sulfury style that like you would see at Bortlake, sure. for example. Or they can have a very pure, clean style that you would see, klein Cardu, Cardew, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. So large distillery that produces multiple styles that are dictated by our blending teams.
0: I, I love that. When I first heard about Rosale, I thought it was such... A smart idea for a large company to be to be doing to house under one roof the ability to make a multitude of of, of spirit styles and and ever since I've been wanting to taste liquid from that distillery so maybe one of these
3: days. <laughs> is that where we're going with this was this just a <laughs> subtext for me to get you samples of Rosile I, I didn't say it you know. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say self-serving, but self-serving.
0: <laughs> no, you know, I, I, again, it's it's one of those distilleries that was, that was widely discussed some years back, but is really not talked about anymore. And so I just wanted to make sure, because I mentioned it previously, I wanted to make sure that our listeners had an understanding of what Rose Isle was, so they had the context for the...
3: Uh-huh. I mean, you, you you cannot visit that distillery. Most of our distilleries you cannot visit. There's only a small handful that you can, uh, like Glen Kinchy and Talsker and L- Lagavulin, Kalila, etc. Cardew. Um, most of them are what we call closed sites, yeah. where it's by appointment only, as you guys probably know. Yep um you know you have to get in contact with the azure you have to then go through your health and safety they'll follow you around with a gas meter and you have to wear high visibility jackets and steel toe cut steel toe cap shoes and all of that jazz so they're they're commercial sites and they're not meant for tourists that walk around so yeah rose Isle is one of those you can drive past it and you can see it's it's a huge distillery um, but, yeah, they're producing multiple multiple styles from there. To say there is a, a single Rose Isle style is is just not the case because it was built to make multiple styles. So which style would it be? That's what, You know, would it be the nutty
1: And that's what I was going to say. It almost sounds like a moving target where you could say, here's a grassy style from Rose Isle, here's a fruity style from mm-hmm. Rose Isle, but there's maybe no... Uh, you know, platonic ideal of a Rosario yeah. style.
3: Yeah, and and they're doing like variable fermentations obviously, mm-hmm. if you're wanting a nutty style you're going for short fermentation cloudy wort versus you know fruity where you're going long fermentation clear worts um, and they can do that there, so they can do multiple styles uh, at that distillery, and they do, uh, but it's all dictated by our blending team who forecast years ahead and say this is what we're going to need in twenty thirty. And this is where age stock we're gonna need. So they produce it spec out by our blending team. It's then tankered down to Black Range and then disgorged down there and most of it's matured down there at Black Range, which is just south of Sterling.
0: Are there any worm tubs at Rosile?
3: No. There aren't. Okay. Shell and tube. I'll sh- I'll sh- All sh- of sh- them. Okay. Yeah. Internal shell and tubes, so are inside the distillery, as opposed to outside. Uh, where you're going to get more of a rapid yep. vapor change. Got it. Not to get nerdy about it. But <laughs> get nerdy about it as well. We can talk about dimethyl trisulfide if it floats your boat.
1: Next
0: time. Next time. Let's just <laughs> next <a> so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Yeah, we, we need to make sure that we. People
3: are getting excited. Oh, he's talking about mercaptors. <laughs> oh, that's fascinating. He must be a thrill a minute in the pub. <laughs> talking about thundercats and. Sulphur. Oh. <laughs> we haven't even mentioned
1: one of your nicknames being Google.
3: That's... Oh yeah, that was Ian McCallum who came up oh, with that. Actually, it was a guy. Bef- it was actually before that. It was a guy called Glenn Moore who used to be the global brand director of BMO. And then, then, then Ian McCallum gone. <laughs> then Jimmy McKenzie and yeah, not many people call me that anymore. So thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> Can They've I, call you, room floor uh, well. I call you Alta Vista? I was going to call you Alta Vista.
0: Netscape,
3: God, Netscape Navigator, <laughs>
0: Netscape Mosaic. <laughs> oh
3: my gosh, it's uh, the dead browsers. So that's another emo band. The dead. Bro-
0: oh my gosh, we didn't even we didn't even get to talk about punk and hardcore. Like it's it's a, I know it's obvious that we need to have a part two with Del Ewan <laughs> Morgan.
3: Uh, here the podcast. I, you said you were going to turn that shit joke out again. I did and you not. Did. I
0: said I would say it up to seven times. That's what I said. <laughs> I only did it to once. So listen, listen. Um, there, there's always a question that we like to get our guests out on. And and so so here it is. In addition to ensuring that Jason and I have access to late teens, early twenties, Sherry Cast Lagavulin, <laughs> um, <laughs> I wonder what has you and Morgan excited—not just about your job in the next year, two years, five years, but maybe you know about Diageo in the next few years or, or whiskey in general in the next few years. What's what has you? Waking up
3: in the morning. Well, I me mean, you don't want to know what wakes me up in the morning. <laughs> I thought it was the it's the best part it's of my waking cat. up
0: was Folgers in your cup. <laughs>
3: Is it your cat? No, it's my cat. My cat Sky who sits there at four in the morning tapping me on the nose. <laughs> waiting to get fed. It's food time. It's yep. like war torture. What gets me excited? Lots of things get me excited. The fact that you know, we reopened distilleries that have been dormant for many years Mm. since 1983 in the case of Brora and Port Ellen, and seeing what they're going to produce, but that's not going to be for some time. So, seeing like the innovation that's going on in in distilling at the moment and, you know, looking at things like Johnny Walker High Rye, where we're starting to bring back Scottish Rye, which which is an old, old product Hmm. uh, back in the 1700s it was first mentioned. But yeah, seeing things like that and seeing, you know what else gets me really excited? It's like the new wave of people who are coming into the business who are just as passionate and, and love the brands and want to do right by the brands or create their own brands and do what you guys are doing, like where you're going out and sourcing really exciting casks mm-hmm. from all of these different distilleries and giving people an opportunity to taste liquid that they may not have been able to taste. Yeah. And giving people those really unique experiences and having people falling in love with whiskey because it's not the easiest category to fall in love with. There's a certain barrier there. Alcohol being the biggest one, like people aren't used to that big burst of, of alcohol when they first drink it or smoky whiskeys and taking people and mentoring them on, the, on their journey and like introducing them to something that you know that they might like rather than, Going in and saying, "Oh, here's a cask strength Lagaville and sherry cask," you know, get stuck in. I know, I know, you're starting to get excited at the mention. <laughs> you of those. absolutely and did I'm, it for I'm me. Oh uh, boy! I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Oh, uh, anyway. So, uh, <laughs> two independent bottlers, one but, cask. <laughs> but what? Yeah. But what you might do is say, you know, here's a really nice spacey whiskey. Here's a Cardu yeah, Twelve, yeah. for yep. example or here's a Klein 14, or here's a Glen Kinchy 12, and and like introduce them to those, or even have it in a highball or in a cocktail or something mm-hmm. like that. And then from there, the barrier has come down where it's just like, I hate whiskey, I don't like whiskey, I'll never drink whiskey. So actually, I like that. I find elements of that that I find enjoyable. I'm now interested in how they make it. And then they will go and they will start their baby steps on on the journey into the, into the worlds of whiskey. So I i love that that and i love there's a new generation of people coming in who who want to do that and want to do a good job because as you guys know you know some people get into this industry for themselves it's Mm -hmm. like politics some people are very self-serving um some people want to come into i was born into i didn't have a fucking choice but some people like will come into it and they're like I want to be famous. I want to be the star of the show. Yeah. You know, you could probably think of a few people off the top of your head who do those kind of things. And it's less about the brand and more about them, mm-hmm. um, or people who will like sign bottles of whiskey that they didn't make. That's another personal bugbear of mine. But anyway, let's not get into that. But you know, I'm paint- I'm painting a picture. Here. You could probably get an idea of things that I do and don't like. Um, but I do love the fact that so many people. Are coming into it who are so passionate about it and want to do the right job and want to do it for the right reasons. And we have we have a, like a massive amount of them on our team who just do a phenomenal job. And you know specifically if I'm I'm talking about like the new wave, the amount of females who are coming into it, whereas it was a very male-led industry for many years. Sure. There was a few examples, obviously, of, of of females who were doing a phenomenal job. these days like you know it's like 50 50 in our team wow uh, which is great yeah um and and i love it i couldn't be happier about it you know they they look at things in a in a a different way sometimes they're more cerebral about things they're typically better sensory analysts Mm -hmm. um so to have that to have both sides it's always nice to have balance right and if it's very male dominated then the the way people think about things or market things or, or even, like, try and express things are different to it. if a female was doing it. But having a balance of the two creates this really nice kind of story that you, you're going along and you're, you're telling both sides yeah. of things or you're getting input from both sides. And I, I, love, I love that. I love the fact that this industry is balancing itself out, Where? which was sorely needed. You know, 10 years ago on, mm-hmm. on Masters of Whiskey, I think we had, like, two ladies on that team
0: I, I think uh, it,
3: of a national team.
0: It's, it's so smart. I wouldn't even say it's smart. Screw smart. It's important because women have had a tough time getting into whiskey because there was no one representing them from the other side of the table. And so yeah. if, if they were going to a restaurant or to a bar or to a whiskey show, they would be the partner of the guy who was drinking the whiskey. And now Mm -hmm. you're seeing more women, knowledgeable women behind the table say, Oh, the door is open for me. Right. I I think that's so important. And I really, you know, hats off um, to you and the Diageo team for, for looking at that and making sure that women are part of the conversation because it's,
3: it's important. I mean, that, uh, that is important. you know, All jokes aside, it's it's something that's very near and dear to my heart, but, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done specifically on on the consumer side of things because we still get feedback that, you know, if a girl or lady is going to go and do a a whiskey tasting, for example, they still have this thing at the back of their mind if it's all guys, Mm. you know. Are they going to be taken as seriously? And obviously, that shouldn't be the case, but it still is, sure. sadly. Yeah. And we still do get feedback of like that we will go to a whiskey event, and some some douchebag will make some kind of comment about mm-hmm. you know you're a girl. What what do you know? And and you know, a hundred percent of the time, they know a lot more than that douchebag does. Yeah. Uh, yep. So there's a lot. There's a lot of re-education that still needs to be done. Although it's being done on the industry side very well, not just by Diageo, uh, by all of our all of our competitors, who do a really great job, but William Grant and Pernod and Bacardi, etc. Um, but on the consumer side of it, you know, specifically in that kind of uh, patriarchal universe mm-hmm. of cigar smoking, golf playing, chodes who will show up and and <laughs> I used chode. Chode. I've never oh used that. Gosh. I haven't used that word in a long chode. time. It's like. It's like an emo flashback.
0: Last time it's, I used the word chode, I was waiting for the next episode of ALF to come on, but instead the first episode <laughs> of Thundercats came on, NBC 7 p.m. It's terrible. Yeah,
3: and he, a Chitara came hmm. on, you had to excuse yourself.
0: Excuse um, me, I gotta go watch yeah, my chode. Anyway, continue, sorry.
3: <laughs> for, for 15 minutes, I'll be back. Um, Chivo it. Um, so, yeah, there's... there's <laughs> <laughs> Till <Tino. laughs> Where um, was that? Yeah, so I would say that on the consumer side of things, there's definitely there's definitely a lot that still needs to be done in terms of the perception of who an expert is in, in spirits or a whiskey expert is in spirits. And, yep. you know, I, I know a lot of very, very smart females in this industry who know way, way more than I do oh, yeah. or what how much I I will ever know um and you know a lot of people who work in our blending team are females and our sensory panel are females the lady who runs production for the whole of north america uh, it's mm-hmm. called pauline and yep. she's scottish she used to run port and das, which is where Muckney muck was made um, <laughs> but yeah you know they're they're like a, a wealth of knowledge mm-hmm. and and for them you know it breaks my heart if you see these people going up who have so much knowledge and people aren't taking them as seriously as they should do. I think I think that's a criminal thing. It really upsets me. Yeah.
1: See, that's a that's a good Scottish answer, right? We get from what are you most excited about to the conclusion of that really upsets me. Right? <laughs> that's
3: perfect, perfect. Do you want me to start complaining about the weather? I can do that as well. <laughs>
1: price of PG tips in Tetley, we can complain about that until yeah. the girls come home.
3: I mean, I could paraphrase that famous. Quote from Jane Spying about being Scottish, but I'm not gonna.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Yeah, this, welcome. this has been absolutely brilliant, Ewan. Um, that's all I have to say. Thank you so much. It was cool Aww. hanging out. We didn't have a single whiskey. We're drinking we tea. Didn't. Whoa, Jason's with Should the PG we have Tips.
3: One? <laughs> Should we have a whiskey? I'm surrounded by it.
0: I'll, I'll take a pull from a bottle. You know what? What do you have? What do you have? Is that the Talisker 42-year-old? Distillers
3: edition. All right. No, uh, this is the Distillers edition from uh, 2012. Oh, there you go. You know, just... I will have a wee one.
0: Jason and I had a really nice Talisker with your dad one time. We were in Aberlauer, visiting with him, and he broke out some uh, Talisker 57 North. Which is, oh, uh,
3: yeah. yeah, yeah, that's probably my bo- my bottle.
0: Yeah, it he was, your um, bottle. it yep. was your bottle. It was your bottle. It came yeah. from the
3: attic. <laughs> oh, yeah, so it definitely was my bottle. Thanks for, thanks for rubbing <laughs> yeah. that in. A, cheers, to to cheers. his credit, he told us it was your bottle. Yeah, yeah, he did tell me well, also, after well, the for, fact.
1: For both for both you and for your dad.
3: Oh, look at that. Uh, all right, Hold Yum, on. yum, 57 North. For the sake of the people listening, Joshua's rummaging around mm. in his whiskey closet.
0: Yeah, he's not going to find a bottle in there. Oh, I found, I found a bottle. And I've got... You'll like this, Ewan. So this is oh. Talisker 25, but this is, this is a victim of... Oh, the old Cast Strength. The Cast Strength, but it's, it was a victim of Hurricane Sandy back in 2013, so the label got a little mucked up. I bought this oh. for $90. No way. And I could have gotten more. And you know what I said? I'll just get the one. I was so stupid. I, I, what? I'm not a smart man, Ewan. I know. I know it appears no. that way, especially when when I'm with Jason. I, I'm like I'm the smart one, but you know, I'm not. I'm not really
3: smart. <laughs> you know, I have a I have a couple of balls of that that I actually got when I trade. I used to trade whiskey with Harvey Fry, oh, yeah. who's Famously of Jack Jack Rose, of DC, who now passed away sadly, but yeah, I traded some with him. So my cast 25 twenty-five-year-old came from from Harvey Harvey Fry. Rest oh, in peace. Yeah,
0: rest in yeah. peace. Cheers to him. I'll take
3: another pull from this mm. bottle in his honor. <laughs> responsibly, know. he's actually drinking from a glass. The Azure legal department. <laughs>
0: Hashtag. Um, then, please drink the whole bottle responsibly. Is that, <laughs> <is that okay? laughs>
3: Perfection. No, I'm not sanctioning that comment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking a 1943 Moscow mule you know, mug. <laughs> copper, because it's a pure fire. Oh, there you go. Yeah, the
0: the whiskey is even cleaner than it was before you put it in there. Oh. Beauty.
3: Delight.
0: So, Cheers. Thanks again, Ewan. Appreciate all your time today. It's been absolutely brilliant. Got to do this in person sooner. Rather... i know
3: that's what i was about to say we should do this live after me moaning about how one dimensional these virtual things are we should get in a room together that sounded really sinister we should <laughs> we should <laughs> we should sit down and record this all in the same room right. uh in a, a nice genial conversation drinking nothing but rose isle Numick.
0: What an absolute blast that was sitting down with you and, and talking with him again. I, I really felt when we were talking with him that, that it, it, was, it was going to be difficult moving on to the next subject because we kept on joking and going down ridiculous rabbit holes and tangents. and. Uh, you go down a lot of rabbit holes when you're sitting talking to Google. <laughs> oh i like that mr google google morgan yep google morgan so you and thank you so much uh absolute pleasure talking with you and, yeah, and cheers Ewan. and like we said it, it really needs to be in person next time and now that we've cracked the seal and, and we've gone to a bar maybe we'll meet up in a bar <laughs> next time i like that idea
1: <laughs> like how we're trying, to, it's amazing to me that you don't like fake it till you make it, because here we are, we've been in one bar and now we're like, I think I could go to a
0: second. Well, I'm not of, sure if I can. I feel like you kind of have to force yourself. It's, <laughs> it's like. That's what fake it till you make it means. No, <laughs> oh, well, maybe. Ah. <sighs> And I, Jason, have an email we need to get to. We promised a uh, a very dear listener that we'd get to an email. You did tell me that in
1: today's production meeting, and by production meeting, I I mean as we were driving down I five and taking an hour and five minutes to cover thirty miles.
0: You are such an old man. The whole time you're like, "Look at this! We're averaging thirty miles per hour." Just. Just, you're doing math, you're basically multiplying for proof that, the whole time That was it, I was just throwing math at <laughs> you constantly to entertain myself So listen, we have we have the, the interview to get to, but we also have Interview to get to? I don't know why I'm using those words We have that email to get to That's what I hear And then we also have What speed will we
1: be approaching that email at? What speed? Well One minute per minute
0: One minute per minute so get, like... we've got the, the email, but then we have a little bit of news that we teased before we went into this interview.
2: Extra, extra, read all about it. Life story of Playboy. Extra, 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 read all about it. Me and that Playboy are in trouble again.
1: Extra, As alluded to earlier, mm-hmm. we sat down for a 30-minute, 30 30-minute, 30 35-minute chitty-chatty with Kerry Hart mm-hmm. and Big B mm-hmm. And we discussed First of all Their whiskey journeys Their professional journeys mm-hmm. Their whiskey journeys The Good Ride charity The mm-hmm. good rides that they do As well as the events yep. We talked about the bourbon mm-hmm. That we had such a blast Collaborating on with them Yeah, oh yeah and we got to talk a little bit about some other things. Some other <laughs> things. Tomorrow, and I know the listening world listens at different times, so I know tomorrow is not true for everybody, but April 7 There you go. We'll see us dropping a half episode dedicated to
0: Kerry Hart, Big B, and Good Ride. So my question for you is: For people who are listening to this five years from now, what year is is that April seven? Damn
1: you, man! <laughs> I felt like I covered that so well, and you're going to throw a twenty twenty two reference at me. Ah,
2: oh, uh, damn go.
1: that man! Who Could be I forty forty four?
0: If you double for proof, kick you in the butt right now. <laughs> Cause I can <laughs> right here staring at you. So, yeah. So, so, so please listen in for that. Um, you know, it, it's funny again, before this, we really hadn't known Carrie. We hadn't known yep. big B, yep. but it's, I always get a little nervous when I'm talking to new boys. You no, know, to, 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 you know, to, carrie has got, you know, 1.2 million followers on Instagram. That He's been doing right. stuff that is very important to people. Right. And I always get a little nervous. And I was nervous when we first started, but they were so cool. Uh, yeah, we're so just, easy to talk with. They were just, just dudes. Just yeah. dudes, just people. Just so, a couple of chaps. So so listen into that, and, um, and I, hope, I hope you enjoy that. Listen, the other thing that I wanted to mention before we finish the news segment mm-hmm. Is the fact that we, we've we got some things We have things Things that are sitting on SingleCastNation.com uh, Two blends that we released A uh, 20-year-old blended malt Scotch malt And a, an 18-year-old blended Scotch whiskey That's true
1: Those right? well, are great ages Yeah,
0: they're good ages Good prices too
1: Yeah, one seventy for the 20-year-old blended malt And 120 for the 18-year-old blended scotch. Both single casks, even with the word blend in there. They're both Mm -hmm. single casks. Brought together at a young age. Sat there, hung out there. Married Mm -hmm. for all those years. Yeah, and just to be clear, the thing that we said in the tasting video that we posted on YouTube is these were two casks selected by a couple of clubs. Clubs got exactly what they wanted from it. The remnants went off to the nation. Sold lovely We're still sitting on a few more bottles If you want to order these mm-hmm. If you want to add in a, a beanley rum few exactly. more, few more beanleys yep. left to go as well I'm so excited that we have bottles sitting on our website We've spent years saying There's a bottle coming and then in the next episode, we're so honored that you t- that you <laughs> bought that and it sold out in two minutes, four minutes, two hours, right? right. <laughs> we have product on the website. Go to the website, buy some bottles. If you ordered some already, go order some more. If you haven't ordered yet, order a couple. Go crazy. Go nuts. Go bananas. Yep. Yep. Ten dollar flat rate shipping fee across the United States. Stretch that out. Excluding Alaska. Excluding, excluding Hawaii. We'll get it to your front doorstep. Go purchase. Good. I will. Hit
0: pause. Go purchase. <laughs> Are you talking to me or to the listeners? Anybody who'll listen to me, let's be honest. (laughs) Let's be honest. Uh, The other thing that I wanted to mention is just a few days ago, our bottling hall bottled our Virginia distillery company, Single Malt. Now, this is a five-year-old in a Spanish oak sherry butt. And this sherry butt first held PX... And then held El Oloroso, so two different types of sherry, before it then held this whiskey. And I, I told you, Jason. I tell everybody I who will listen to me, this is of the quality of a twelve-year-old Cast Strength Glen Farkless. No doubt
1: about it. Like, like, no doubt, I would, I would, I would put my, <laughs> my own life up against that. I was oh going to say, I, I put my my family's life up against that and that just sounded kinda dark. And so yeah, I would I will first my children. Yeah, I will I will go to my grave (laughs) saying that's that's every bit as complex, Mm -hmm. as rich, as multi layered Mm -hmm. as that twelve year old Castrend Glenfarkless. Yep. And and I and I that's only a compliment of the highest order for our friends at Virginia Distilling Company. Yeah. Yeah, So so Virginia Distillery Company. Yeah, Virginia. What did you say? This is why I just stick
0: to VDC. But I just wanted to be clearer in my language
1: for the listeners.
0: So it's true. So it's just been bottled. We're going to be putting that on on our website soon-ish. We just want to make sure that it gets picked up and delivered to our warehouse and all that other stuff. Uh, but l- be on the lookout for a, a tasting video that we'll be releasing on this one soon. For, so for six hundred and thirteen bottles. And what was the cask number on this, Jason? I think the first digit was a six. Right. I don't know if you recall the second digit. It may have that may have been a six as well. I think there were three digits. And the last one I think that was a six. <laughs>
1: good news is you do not have to drink this whiskey inside a pentagram but i tell you doesn't hurt it doesn't hurt it just it <laughs> elevates the experience
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> ah, yeah and, and, and to say very quickly yes the, the the cast number is 666 and yes when you walk into a warehouse or you get a bunch of samples and you see cast 666 you're like i'll be bottling that we put it
0: through the ringer. oh we did be- because because it's easy to jump to that conclusion that that's the number. 100%, right? We got a bunch of samples. And kind of like our English whiskey company, the nine-year-old in Sautern, where I wanted to hate that. There's that a blast from the past. Right, well, I think about this a lot, right? I, I wanted to hate it because... <laughs> no offense to no, anybody no, associated No offense to anyone at the English whiskey company, but, but here's awkward. the thing. For me personally... My favorite cask type for maturation, aside from X bourbon, is is Sautern. And that one was Sautern. And my thought was we're going to say yes to that because yeah. it's Sautern. Yep. And yep. similarly here, the concern was we're gonna say yes to this because it was cast six six six. Exactly. Exactly. And thankfully, Cast Six 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 just happened to be the best one for our palates. Yeah, the best of the bunch from those samples. Yep. yep.
1: Uh, according to us, as you like, rightly say yeah. So excited to get that in there And then, I know we keep giving these updates And we remain excited about it You listeners are living the global supply chain Right along with us mm-hmm. We're still waiting confirmation That our Backwoods Heritage Rye
0: Has come into port Our Australian Backwoods Heritage Rye I don't think you stress the fact that this isn't just a rye whiskey, <laughs> but it's Australian rye whiskey, and yep. it's produced by by two people that, that I consider friends of ours, friends of the podcast. Wonderful humans. Uh, Lee and Bree Atwood, and, and they really are uh, masters at what they do. They're winning awards left, right, and center, proper awards, and well-deserved. And I, I'm just, I'm so psyched to put this out there. We just need to get it to the port and get it into the warehouse. And like you had said, global supply chains. Well, and, and as you were referencing
1: a moment ago, there was an English whiskey company, whiskey, single malt, in Sautern back in the day. Here we are with this Australian, heritage right from backwards, being matured in Australian
0: Shiraz. Right? And that Shiraz... Was previously a Scotch whiskey cask that had been recharred. Oh, right. I mean, so you're it's like a dechar rechar Scotch whiskey cask, then holding Shiraz. What was your favorite note from that? Do you have a favorite note from from that whiskey? Uh, I'm only pausing for dramatic effect because I already have my answer.
1: <laughs> that chocolate cherry note. Yeah. It yeah. just shines right through. And and is it, it's interesting that we're having this moment right now because the last time I was a Virginia distillery company, I was telling Amanda and Brian down there, master blender and, and warehouse man who, who knows his casks very well also, I was telling them about the chocolate cherry note mm. that's in the Backwoods Heritage Rye. And now here we are there on the go. doorstep. Of them landing and being released. So, yeah, that's that's rocking. US stuff, yep. they are, I'm excited. Stuff on the yep. website, stuff coming in, stuff coming to shelves. Yep. Exciting. <sighs> so,
0: 2022, Joshua. 2022, 4044. Um, Just doubling from proof. Uh, so, listen, you and I promised the wonderful uh, Oliver Chillin, Ollie Chillin. Ollie. Uh, that we'd read his email. Now Ollie, who listeners would know we, we've had him on the podcast before. He is the the blender for Port Geg. He is the the palette behind Single Malts of Scotland and Whiskey Trail and Elements of Isla and Black Tot Rum. Like this is this is someone we not only love as a dear friend, but we respect the hell out of. He and also blushes yeah, real easy. He does. He's, he's he blushing does. right now he hearing all of this. <laughs> so, when you receive an email from someone who's not just a dear friend, but also someone you respect the living hell out of, you, you want to pay attention to it. You want to give it its Jew. So, due. So, D U E. D U E. Yeah. What did I say? It just,
1: your accent makes it sound like J E W. All right. You don't want to give them your due.
0: No, I gave that on my eighth, on my eighth day. Give <laughs> a oil, bit oh, of my oh, Jew. Oh, oh. Um, that brings tears to my so, eyes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ow! So, the the subject says, "bespoken quote unquote whiskey?" Uh, question mark. okay, right. okay, yep. And so he says, "Dear One Nation Under Whiskey, long time listener, first time caller." I love that. I w- I'm so desperate to call a radio station and say that long-time listener, first-time caller, but I only listen to, like, NPR nowadays, so... You can do it to C-SPAN. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't listen to C-SPAN ever. Anyway, it says, I enjoyed listening to your conversation with the fine people from Bespoken Spirits, though I will not lie, and then this is a parenthetical comment, though I am not a white-haired Scott. Hey, I I represent that comment. (laughs) I found it a little jarring. I will definitely look out for these when I next get to visit the USA, which I am hoping to bring him out here. We're, We're working desperately on that. He continues. The area I would have loved to have understood more about in their process was how they artificially create oxidation process in such a short time and I think that is such a good question we'll, we'll we'll go on with that in a minute I would also like to know if it is possible to create the secondary est, esterification that's it that happens you got that s- square peg into that round hole <laughs> just a little lubrication gets her right in the chest so, it's always a square peg in the round hole for you <laughs> That happens in some maturations. On the philosophy side, and I know this is something we all enjoy debating, (laughs) do you have concerns in widening the category of whiskey to include these modern techniques? How would you manage the difference between those producers genuinely looking to use technology to make great product, such as bespoken, and those just looking to make a fast product, And abuse the brand name of whiskey. If, for example, someone makes an unaged product of poor quality and claims it to be whiskey, could this not degrade the entire category? I love the way Ollie's thinking right here. He continues. Hope the above encourages some discussion or at the very least distracts you from the frightening increases (laughs) in the cost of whiskey, glass, paper, corks, and capsules for a few minutes. (laughs) Oh, and you're going to love this, Jason. All the best, Oliver Chilton, and then final parenthetical comment, or Ollie to you lovely people. Yay. So let me start this off. (laughs) Normally the person who reads the email
1: passes it off to the person who didn't read yeah, the email. No, but I you do you. Listen, I'm not
0: gonna I'm not gonna lie, I love hearing the sound of my own voice. I don't think anybody who listens to this <laughs> podcast would ever question that. <laughs> and and so I remember not learning about the importance of oxidation in in whiskey maturation through Ollie, but I remember understanding more the importance of oxidation in the maturation process through Ollie. And and I would almost say shame on me for not for not asking that question. And I think it it you know maybe warrants a follow-up question to our friends at Bespoken, which I'm sure we'll have. But that is interesting in that because it wasn't brought up either by ourselves or by them. I wonder if that part of it has anything to do with that texture that I talked about. Now I know with, with oxidation, we usually focus on on what that can do to flavor, mm-hmm. not necessarily texture. Mm-hmm. But it was very clear that through this process, the the typical texture was that of, an Armagnac or a cognac more, more round feeling in the mouth and less less oily or less um, sharp edged sometimes. And, and I do wonder if that is an oxidation thing or if that is just something uh, you know where they need to sharpen the, the process a bit more to mimic that texture quality.
1: Yeah, I'm certainly thinking as we were going through the interview and the conversation, there were parts of their process mm-hmm. that they were handling in-house mm-hmm. and keeping secret. Yeah, And so as we sit here today, uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're not going to be able to answer this yeah. oxidation and esterification question on behalf of Bespoken. Uh, as you point out, yeah, we could, we could drop a note, hey, you know, all dude we respect the hell out of over in the UK yeah. with all these brands, XYZ. I had a couple of questions. Do you have any kind of answer to that? And give them the opportunity to say, actually, that's not an area we talk about publicly, yeah, which, which yeah. was part of our interview with them. The part that's of real interest to, to me and, and I think that we get
0: to unpack and wax lyrical about yeah. is the category question. And I have ideas, but you go because because <laughs> that's me handing things off. Because listen, I, I don't like to just listen to my own voice <laughs> prattling on here, right? It's was it handed off or was it taken from you?
2: I think those two well,
0: things might be different. Not so, really though.
1: And, and so this is this is the same point I've been making for a decade and a half, two decades, which is we've got Scotch whiskey We've got Irish whiskey, we've got Japanese whiskey, we've got American whiskey. You take a whiskey drink, you take a bucket (laughs) drink, you take a bubble (laughs) drink, you take a bubble drink. I get knocked (laughs) out. And I get up again. They are somewhat similar in that they're a brown spirit made from a grain matured in an oak vessel. Over a period of time. Over yes. a period of time. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm, fi- I'm following you now. I get a little nervous. Well, there I love for a sitting second. in the
1: same room as you, dude. Wow. You can creeper. smell the disdain on that one. <laughs> so, so so there's all these points of commonality. Yep. And then we got into American craft production. Yep. A decade ago, a decade and a half ago, for some two decades ago, and we started having these conversations about. Well, maybe mm. you know, now you're using flour uh, to create a mash. You're uh, to, to create something worth fermenting. You're using a 15 gallon barrel, a 30 gallon barrel. Uh, you've got expedited maturation through the use of a smaller container, yeah, a smaller yep, vessel. Yep. And and I always took the side of of craft distillers there, and I. Uh, and I always said, you're, you're making a product and you're, and you're authentically making a product, mm. but you might benefit from it not being called whiskey, right? Because that spoke mm-hmm. I to- this conversation, yeah. That larger side of the category. And so now here we have Ollie's take here, Ollie's yep. question here, which is now we've got some producers- even removing the barrel from it, the micro staves that Stu and Martin were talking about. And so if I was to take the side of that producer, the way I took the side of the the craft distiller, Mm -hmm. is maybe they'd be better off with that not being called whiskey. The potential for that is you're separating someone from a category where certain words mean certain things and as a consumer you can hang your hat yeah. on the word whiskey separate from a newer technology and i have a question before you okay. before you take back the rings okay do you even think we could even see the changing of a category yeah the uh, evolution the subsetting of an established
0: traditional category like whiskey? So as usual, it's, it's going to be a long answer and a bit securitous, but I, w- I wanted to clarify something you said earlier on when you talked about craft producers perhaps benefiting from what they're producing to not be called uh-huh. whiskey. Uh-huh. Really, it was a bit more specific than that. It was to not be called bourbon. Right To be called some something something other than bourbon. And I think that larger producers have worked with the TTB to change what cask size can be used for producing bourbons, and that's going to be increasing over over a period of time, right, to help protect that as a category. Mm. right? So so that's so that's one. I think in the end, What Bespoken is doing, and and what I know other brands are doing, is creating a new style of indeed whiskey. It is whiskey. What is whiskey? It's a spirit made from a grain bottled at, you know, no less than 40% alcohol, having some wood interaction, at least in the US, having some sort of wood interaction, right? So I don't think we want to take them out of the category of whiskey, just like I don't think we'd want to take craft producers out of the category of whiskey. But now you are talking to what I just mentioned, which is a subsetting exactly. of the category. And, that, and that's right. And that's what I said. It's sort of a security answer. I think what we need to do, and this, and this will talk to, to Ollie's question as well, is I think there needs to be another category. This is only going to grow. The bourbon boom continues to boom, whether it's here in the US or or as exports increase, et cetera, right? There's only so much liquid and there are an increasing amount of craft producers and increasing amount of these um, accelerated aging or craft aging producers. And so I think what would be important is to create and solidify a subcategory, one that both protects those like Bespoken, but similarly protects those like your wild turkeys and Heaven Hills and Jim Beams of the world. There's another part of it I want to touch on too, but but does you know hopefully that begins to answer your question. Well what you have me thinking of is the hard work that was put into creating
1: American American Single single Malt. Malt. Yep, yep. (laughs) Right? I'm just seeing that in my mind's eye as you're talking about this. And really, what does it mean to fully embrace the product you're making and not have to say we differ from that established product in this way, that way, and the other way? Mm -hmm. But instead you say, here's what we do, as opposed to here's what we don't do. Yeah cuz I th- I think those kind of negative formulations of of selling a product are are unsuccessful. Oh,
0: yeah, 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 100%. And to be clear, there are certain protections in place already, right? With with straight bourbon, right? That's got to be at least 2 years old or with a with a bottled bond nomenclature, right? So there are certain protections in place. I just think we need to put similar protections in place for those creating craft-aged or rapid-aged products um, I just imagine
1: Stu wincing every I, I, time you say yeah, rapid I, rapid maturation because he went to such pains in the interview to say just to be clear that's not what we do that's not who we are I know there are other brands that well,
0: do that and, and, and to be clear their process is different from others so so I'm I'm saying both you know I really I I, I would argue that there are those that are doing a process to create a product sooner that are perfectly comfortable with the phrase of rapid aging. So th- long as the product in the end is quality. And I think
1: that's the, the door that opens to Ollie's concern, which is the way bespoken present themselves, the way bespoken are going about doing this sounds tickety-boo, right? Mm-hmm. What, would happen if right someone came in who was a rapid maturer.
0: Well, think about- It didn't do it well. Right? But think about the protections that bourbon already have. Yeah. You have a mash bill that is stipulated. You know, there's a minimum in place, minimum 51% corn. Uh, you've got a certain amount of wood interaction That is in place, right? There are certain things that are already in place for bourbon and for rye and for other American whiskeys, but I think you need to put similar protections in place, perhaps a bit more stringent, because there is that, like, you know, and 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 you know, if if Stuart Martin are listening, I, I really, I don't want them to take offense to this because I'm not. I'm not mentioning this with them in mind, but I think what Ali is talking to is the potential of producers trying to cr- create a get-rich-quick yeah, scheme. exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And and you can do that not giving a shit whether your product's good or not. Correct. Now, Now, granted people are going to find out really quickly if you've got crappy products. So it's, it's not within anyone's interest to be going down that route. However, we've all had our bad whiskeys, absolutely. It's all, it's possible. Absolutely. So I, I think it's, I think it's a matter of establishing a category, which we know back to American single malt could take many years, (laughs) but while technology is rapidly advancing, right? Right. right? Uh, but, it's on these producers to perhaps get together, similar to American Single Malt Commission, saying, here are the things that we need from a quality standpoint to ensure that our products, your products, anybody that's yeah, of this the town. mind are, are creating something that is representative of this new style of whiskey that we're putting out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think that's it. Uh, th- there was one other thing I wanted to bring up. But I, I quite like yeah, what
1: uh, you're saying there, though. Where, and I think this is something that echoes through other episodes of of One Nation Under Whiskey, which is you've just put the emphasis on the producers to come together and make this better for the consumers. Yeah, We yeah. haven't put this at the doorstep of the TTB. No. We haven't asked the government to step in no. and rule over this potential new category or subset. We're saying you producers who are making it in this particular way gather, mm. put something on paper, put something right. And yes, it could could take many years, but I like that the emphasis is placed upon the producer. Yes. And nowhere else.
0: Yeah, yeah. The other thing I wanted to bring up, because there were other people that wrote in, I, either via email or on Facebook or, or whatever, where they asked about the potential of producing an Isla-style single malt or a Speyside-style single malt or a Japanese-style single malt. I personally think that we need to be very careful about that. This is, at least thus far, whether it's Bespoken or some other brand, this is all being done in the U.S. So I think it should be very specific to the U.S. And I think that perhaps the styles of spirit within the US should be focused on. I I I do worry that if we allow producers like this to create something that's very similar to an Isla Scotch malt whiskey,
2: yeah.
0: right, that threatens Scotch malt whiskey. Right. And and I just I want to be very careful about that. So similar to bourbon can only be made in the US and scotch whiskey can only be made in Scotland. I think as we're looking at creating this category, similar rules need to be in place to help protect those producers outside our country. I I can only imagine how quickly the
1: SWA would go after a producer making an Islay style single malt outside of...
0: And, you know, it's not to say that you know, you've got Balconius that produces yeah. a peated single uh, malt, right? You've got um, Copperworks, uh, Copperworks <laughs> Lost Spirits. I mean, we're, we're all doing it, but none of them are saying we're trying to replicate eyeless gotch malt whiskey. Correct. They're creating an American single malt that happens to contain peated barley. Yes. Yes. Big difference, right? Yes. So yeah. a whole bunch of clean words in there. I- exactly. So, so this is just another thing that's not just a protection for these newer producers for their own potential new category, which I really think is likely the best way moving forward for everybody. But not just protecting them and the bourbon and rye and American single malt producers, but protecting those outside yeah. of our country. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like it.
1: Uh, as always, Ollie presents food for thought. There's indeed. He's a smart dude. I love mm-hmm. it. I love it when he's a guest on a tasting because uh, I always learn something new. F- from listening to him. He he knows his stuff inside out and back to front. Yeah, the fact he listens to it, our nonsense is. It's huge. <laughs> absolutely huge. It's pity. You think it's a pity listen? I hope yeah, it's not a pity it's, listen. It's a bi-weekly two hour <laughs> pity listen. Where he just <sighs> he just sits on his couch weeping. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I have to support these Jamulks? Speaking. All right. Of people listening and supporting. Right. You said something
0: interesting to me the other week. I always say interesting things to you. Pump the bricks. Not just the other week. Pump the bricks. Every week.
1: About our reviews on Apple being around ninety. So This is what I have to say.
0: Thus far, we have ninety reviews. You know, whether it's a four or five star review on there and that has remained stagnant right for 5 months <laughs> 4 to 5 months i think the last review was tiger's rule ah yes and uh, yes, yes and 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 we haven't seen a new review since and you and i have a plea jason plea i'm on my knees right now
1: you can see me josh no Go easy, no, jason. no yeah turn around yep. turn easy. turn around
0: back to the light we love our listeners and we love the growing listenership that we've enjoyed. People have been great about spreading the word and, and sharing our podcast. And and that's a great way, right? That's a good grassroots way of getting the word out. However, when it comes from a natural search within Apple Podcasts of, you know, whiskey podcasts or something like that, something that helps us greatly is having more and more reviews. And so this is what we're asking. We would love to get to 100 four to five star reviews, preferably five star reviews. <laughs> Once we hit that three digit number, we're told that things open up a bit more. And okay. we, we get more listeners. Oh, okay. And so if, okay. if, if Pe- you- More people learn more about learn us. More people learn about us. Yeah, awesome. exactly. Awesome. So if you've listened to us please, for years- Please. It, just- if you thought about please. if you thought about giving us a review please, please go ahead and do that I, I'd love for us to get be to 100 I would love it. Love, 100 it, love, it, love, it, love it love it love it takes two, two seconds of your time and if you leave a comment on there we'll be sure to read it out we will and, uh, and, and call you out by name with your with your review so yeah. put, put in some inside joke you know give us a chuckle as well as a four or five star review preferably five star <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, thank you for that. And then, so if, like Ali, you had a question for us, you can email us questions at one under You could even email us info at single cast nation. You could look us up on Facebook. You can look us up on Instagram. You can look us up on Twitter. We're there. Send us questions. We love to hear. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, and, and we will try to answer your questions as best we can. Indeed being out on the west coast with you jason being in a car Hitting traffic, hearing you complain about traffic, hearing you complain even more about traffic, hearing you convetching <laughs> about the traffic that we happen to be in. You, even, you haven't even mentioned my complaints about fuel prices. <laughs> <laughs> it really has been a blast. And as odd as it is, going back to a world that feels like the before times, it's been really nice getting back to the be- before times feelings being on the road with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Listening to the noises that come from your mouth, come from your knuckles, come from your anus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's been a lot. Uh, and, and a lot of fun. You're welcome. A lot of You're fun. You're welcome. Your lungs. I didn't mention your lungs. Your, your TB coughing around oh my shower gosh.
0: time. Uh, Jason, I heard a report. Tuberculosis is up 9%. And you're 8.9% of that alone. (laughs) So listen, I I raise my beer glass to you because we've been sipping on a beer. We have, a little cheeky. And I say thank you as always. God, that sounded terrible. (laughs) And uh, again, listeners, tune in tomorrow, April 7th, 2022, where we will have Carrie Hart and Big B, very special sort of half episode for you. And uh, and then next week we'll see you in extra extra, and then we've got a really special One Nation Under Whiskey episode coming up later in this month as well. So
1: it's all go, Joshua. All right, it's all go. We better go back out into traffic now. We got to go fill that fuel tank. You're going to hear some <laughs> real complaints in about <laughs> five seconds. Cheers, big ears. Cheers, listeners, and Satchel Bob. <laughs>